thoughts on adding another world title to your trophy collection in front of your hometown fans here in Lafayette, Louisiana, your home state? You know what? I love it, man. Thank y'all, Lafayette. Thank y'all, everybody that came out. I told y'all I'm the fucking real deal. These little boys that won't fought it cannot fuck with me. I am the best, and I'm going to keep proving it. That dude never, that's a tough ass dude. He never been stopped. He barely even never lost. And I fucking just dominated the whole time. Stop him. They can't, they can't mess with me, dog. I'm too, I'm, I'm too unstoppable, brother. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 321st edition of the Boxing Asylum Nuttes podcast. I'm your host, Steve Wellings, and joining me on the call so far, we have the solitary contender himself, champion to contender, who knows, Andy Patterson. Welcome to you, Andy. Hoping for a couple of the other boys to jump on soon as well. Ozzy and Rob are en route. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Haven't had a look in there just yet, but I'll take it there's one or two knocking about. We're going to get a guest on very shortly. We've got enough to get through this evening, actually. We'll have a look at the big fights scheduled for next week. We'll probably answer a few of your questions as well and delve into the crazy world. That is the Bellew of the Weeks. There's a lot of them flying in as usual. No doubt much, much more as well. Let's start, Andy, in the fight capital that is Las Vegas, and Saul Canelo Alvarez getting a win over Danny Jacobs. The score's pretty much spot on as far as I'm concerned. I had it 116-112 to Canelo. I don't know what it was about the fight, but just left me feeling a little bit cold, I thought. I wasn't really sure what Danny Jacobs was doing. I know he had a good go. He landed some shots, but he seemed too happy at times to just coast along and maybe not get stuck in and follow the instructions of his corner. Where did you stand on Jacob's performance, Andy, and the fight overall? I kind of know what you mean, um, especially about the kind of how the fight played out. Um, I had it one sixteen, one twelve, just for record uh, for Canelo. Um, I just think that you know, okay, it was an edgy tactical affair, so to speak. Um, but I just felt that Canelo had the final say in most exchanges. Um, his jab was very, very good. Especially when he doubled it up, it was like a sledgehammer landing. Um, worked the body when he had to. Jacobs, I just thought he, he missed quite a number of shots. Um, for whatever advantage he tried to get with a no weighing in for the second day, sorry, second day weighing, um, he's just basically kind of thrown away that advantage or that, sorry, that money for an advantage that he never seemed to have used, which would probably try and you know, maintain size, maybe you know, try and deplete himself or try and you know, rehydrate himself so he wasn't you know, depleted in the ring. He's failed to do that. Um, so in the end, um, you know, Canelo, in my opinion, was a worthy winner, mate. Thanks, Andy. Joining us on the call now, delighted to have a big winner from last night. It's John Ryder. How are you, John? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much for joining us. You must be absolutely buzzing at the moment. A big win on a fight uh, and a show of such magnitude. Mate, yeah, you know what? I mean, I got to sit ringside for Canelo Jacobs and uh, what an atmosphere. The Mexicans really now to have a a good time at a show and really make the make the atmosphere come alive. What was your opinion of the main event then? You were sitting there watching the best of the best, Canelo and Jacobs going at it. We're just talking about it now. How did you see it play out? I think I think that is genuinely the problem. It was the best of the best and they often nullified each other's attributes. I mean there was there was a lot of shots thrown and a lot of shots missed and it was it probably made it closer than it looked or seemed but I feel like it was a real close fight Jacobs maybe started a bit too slow and had a bit off in the middle rounds which probably ultimately cost him but I mean it's, it's always going to be hard to beat Canelo in Vegas on, on points yeah, it certainly would be. They're looking at uh, Canelo obviously going on to have the third fight with Triple G. If that comes off, how would you see it going? Um, I, I think more of the same from Canelo, really. I think 
GGE might be just past his best. And um, yeah, I think it's uh, Canelo's time. Just looking back at your fight then, obviously, what was the plan, John? Was it to box your way in, see what happened? And, you know, was that was that the plan? But you obviously caught him and just went with it? Yeah, pretty much just, um, I know I've been watching the take back of him. He's always always dangerous at the first four. With his, he's got a high guard for the first four. Comes in swinging a bit. So it's always just a plan just to, to be sensible, box by a jab, counter punch. But, yeah, I mean... Um, I was surprised anyone when the, the knockdown came in the third round. He looked quite a powerful guy. He'd been sparring with Canelo as well. Had you had a good look at him beforehand and did he box the way you expected? Yeah, I think um, he, he started, he, he came out a bit slower than I expected. I thought he'd come out swinging from the start, but he was um, he was very negative in the first round, hence the boos from the Mexicans. But um, they always want to see it blood, don't they? But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I thought I was just happy just to just to get the first round in the bag and just win round by round. And I, I, I mean, I was I was planning for a long night, maybe a, a late stoppage, points win. But um, yeah, when when the knockdown came in the third round, I thought I thought the first one might have been flashy, might have come, it might have come back strong. But um, after the second knockdown, I thought the the end was pretty near. And the punch that you caught him to start things off in the third round was the same right talk that's worked worked so well against guys in the past, like the likes of Patrick Nielsen, for example. Yeah, I mean, um, it's a real, real shot of mine. I think he's, um, I think that shot has done the last four opponents. What hence with the, with the body shot with Sorokin, but um, yeah, the right hooks probably my, probably now my best shot. Yeah, it's the honey punch at the moment. You mentioned the last four opponents. You're really in the form of your life at the moment. Yeah, no, do you know what? I feel, I feel great. Um, I'm just, I'm on a real high. I'm on the cusp of a wave. Do you know what I mean, I, I don't, don't want this wave to stop, but uh, it's, it's a great thing. I think someone tweeted yesterday the last four opponents at 89 and two, and I think, do you know what? That just, just shows how, how strong I'm feeling, how well I'm boxing, and the level I'm at now. Just moving forward, then you snared yourself a belt, obviously. Given your position, you accepted the Lemieux fight and this fight as well, obviously against the Carway. It, it, you took a bit of a risk, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I could have sat back and just waited on the manager position, but there's no value in that, I don't think. You just you end up getting stale and stagnant. You end up getting a bit bit despondent of the sport. So I just wanted to keep busy. And I mean, what, what a show to keep busy on. It was a, a great, great event. Yeah, they're talking about Callum Smith. He's fighting on June the 1st in New York. So technically he could be tied up there for a few months. So what do you do with yourself now? Just um, just enjoy this victory. I've got a, a baby due in August, so I'll um, spend a bit of time being a dad to my daughter and a and a partner to my to my missus, and just um, live a live a normal life for a, a couple of months and help out where I've not been helping out for the last the last few months. And um, yeah, just live a normal life, then get back to the boxing soon. Yes, and congratulations and good luck with all that as well. So, regarding the Thank politics, you. regarding the politics of the belt, not concerned about that at the moment. No, I believe my, my time will come. I've spoke to Eddie, and he, he says that I will get my shot. So, I'm, I'm I'm happy to take his word for it, and yeah, I believe I believe my shot will come. And as for Lemieux, um, would you think you'll end up fighting him in the future, or is that sort of slipped by now? Uh, I don't know. Never say never. Do you know what I mean, it's um, it's always a big fight. Um, if, if the timing's right, then we'll take it. But we've got to do what's right for me now. Certainly, and you've earned it as well, John. Thank you very much for joining us as always, and you got the best of luck going forward, man. 
thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for the support. Cheers, John. All the best now. Right, Thank you, mate. Yes. John Ryder there, Andy. Uh, we will be talking about his fight shortly, but uh, fresh over in Las Vegas. He's done the business again, and he's just he's just gone out and just consistently beating people. Uh, he was very calm last night. I was obviously about kind of late replacement opponent and stuff. So, um, as he says, uh, he was slightly negative. Um, what did he say? He was slightly negative. More like uh, Akali was more negative. He was kind of on the back foot. You could hear, hear the boos, as John was mentioning there. But um, you know the punch that turned it all around was that short right hook on the inside was absolutely fantastic shot. Kind of got you know got everything behind it, and it just changed the the whole complexion of the fight. And I'm glad they actually got it done earlier actually as well because um, you know you just you just never know any, any type of cards and that as well. You know if it got kind of dirty in that it could have been you know cuts. It could have went to cards and you know. So I'm glad to it's glad to see they got the stoppage. Um, gets you stock up a little bit as well. And you know, I'm glad you asked about the politics side of things because I think it's Smith's the super champ and is it Canelo's got the other belt and stuff. I noticed yeah. that was a final eliminator, but also it was listed as some sort of interim belt there last night as well. So I don't know if that's true, but um, yeah, just WBA politics, I suppose. But I suppose at this point, the, the main fight they probably probably happen would be to fight Callum Smith. But I know you mentioned he's got a fight lined up and that. So what I was thinking about mainly would would Canelo take that fight as an interim fight because we, we know. He has got this big, you know, this big contract. He has got this number of fights to kind of make up and stuff. And he's kind of fluctuating between weights at the minute. So, could he potentially see that fight with Ryder as a, you know, a, a basically kind of keep busy fight, so to speak? Yeah, you never know. He might fluctuate or not. The thing is, Ryder won the interim title. If you click on the interim title, that then goes back to Canelo oh, having right. previously fought for it against Rocky Fielding. So I must admit, Andy, I'm I'm out the loop here on who's winning what. It seems Canelo won the interim belt, the same interim belt that, and then vacated it that Ryder won last night. That's what Boxrec seems to be telling me. I'll be honest with you, I I don't even know. I don't even know because he was a regular champion, wasn't he, Rocky Fielding? Yeah. So. He beat that, you know, beat the German boy, uh, uh, I beat the uh, German guy. Zoiger. Zoiger, that's who it was. Knock, knocked him out or something like that. Yeah. Ah, so I, I think I think he, I think Canelo holds that, that regular title bullshit. Shout out to everybody in the chat. few names knocking about Rob Barnett, Phil Bant, Oliver Barber, a few new names, John Doe's in there, Tosh Bear, Tommy Hearns lives on, Ant as well. Haven't seen, uh, there's Kaiser Cobra as well. Uh, welcome to rapping, Rob Kelly. Rob, let's bring you in then, any shall we? Of, any sign of Chuck Wu, no? No sign of Chuck Wu yet. I'll timestamp it when his yeah, ass yeah, turns up there, just Rob. Make sure to put that in the timestamp. That's a new feature for our avid listeners. Of course, every episode on YouTube, they're going to be timestamped with the subject matter that we discuss <laughs> over two and a half hours every fucking week. <laughs> Got to stick with the times. Got to stick with... Uh, Rob, <laughs> I believe you're going to do the timestamping this week. Now, Rob has volunteered, everybody. Yep. On his lunch break tomorrow, he's not going to have any dinner. He's going to sit and do the timestamping. Congratulations, Rob. Well done. For nothing. You wouldn't even buy us a pride, you main gets. Go and get on that Patreon, then you can make your, <laughs> you can make your demands at will. <laughs> buy us a drink, you main gets. Um... <laughs> right, Rob, let me get you in with a question here, because I haven't mentioned this to Andy yet. We've started discussing the fight. We had John Ryder on. You just missed him there, but congratulations to John. Oh, well, sure, well done, John. sure you echo those sentiments as well. Talk to me about Danny Jacobs. One thing I noticed last night, obviously, was the fact that he kept going southpaw all the time. Was that a good move? Was that a bad move? He looked uncomfortable to me. Now, uh, people might say, OK, he's going southpaw, Rob, to try and change things up and maybe try and confuse Canelo. Canelo's too experienced. This is a, a guy of the highest calibre. If Canelo's going to be confused by somebody going southpaw, then he's in, he's in trouble, you know what I mean? Well, I did say last week after Rungvasai tried it was the was the switch from orthodox to southpaw the new solder roll 
<laughs> because ever since Crawford's made it um, his thing to do, uh, as everyone copycat. I don't know, strange. I thought it was a strange performance from Danny Jacobs um, in terms of the fact that he didn't seem like he went for it. Now, I don't know if he was scared of Can- Canelo's power, whether there's a bit of pop on those counters that just you know made him wary about getting knocked out, but he was pushing a little bit with the jab. I mean, I thought it was a, a battle of the jabs for the first two or three rounds, but Canelo was coming off the better with the jabs. Um, Danny Jacobs was kind of pushing his jab out. And for the bigger guy, he didn't really, he didn't really seem, I don't know, I, th- I thought it, it was a strange one. He didn't really seem to be as in the fight as he was against uh, GGG, um, which probably says a little bit more from Canelo. I think um, Golovkin can be a little bit more stagnant when he's right in front of you. Um, Canelo has to be said you have to give the guy credit where it's due his head movement his slipping his shots from the inside is fr- like he used to be good at it and now he's excellent at it he's really really good I used to kind of laugh at people comparing him to Tony I still don't think he's that good but the way he just slips out of distance slips over to the left and the right just, just makes you weary about throwing at any counters and the key is countering. When you make the guy miss, you have to make him pay. And Canelo does that in abundance. So I thought he was a clear winner. And it was kind of an easy night for him last night. The one thing I'd say about switching to the southpaw stance was it made it easier for, Nick, for Canelo to drop that left hand to the body. So he was struggling to find um, Jacobs to the body for the first That's couple of rounds. straight right hand as well, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and a straight right hand as well. But that left hook to the body, he was... He was he wasn't really trying to go to the body. He was using the right to go to the body more so. And then when Canelo or when um, Jacobs moved to southpaw, he just dipped it in easily. And yeah, like you said, he's he's super experienced now. Fifty-one fights, obviously turning pro at fifteen. Um, he's done all that road work. He's done all the and he's fought top guys for the most of his career. Canelo, regardless of what you think of him. And to be honest with you, as a Canelo supporter, it has been a little bit soured with the. Mexican meat scandal I can't really kind of let it go but every time I'm looking at him I'm thinking <laughs> I'm looking for signs <laughs> of the juice on him and, and with Jacobs as well but we have to take all that aside and, and take him on his merits he, he passed his B sample didn't he so um, I thought it was an easy night's work for Canelo and it's hard to see a middleweight that can beat Canelo at the moment I can't see anyone out there that beats him I know Eddie Horn went straight to Andrade beats him after he got rid of one when are they going to stop that nonsense I mean come on <laughs> Andre, he might beat him if he bored him to tears, but he's not <laughs> going to beat him in a in a, a fight. So it's interesting to see where does he, where does he stay. Ike middleweight is kind of light at the moment. Who does he fight? One of the Charlos on the on the on the basis of their last fights, they don't look like they put pose much uh, much of a threat to him either. So I really don't know where do we get an opponent for for Canelo that's going to test him. I know what we are going to get though. We're going to get that third um, Golovkin fight. Um, yeah, they're all ready for it now, aren't they? Yeah, Golovkin even like tried to turn heel. I think with some of his uh, tweets last night to say that that was a nice sparring session and that they didn't give anything to the fans. So, um, watch this space. last night, man. Look like a transgender makeup fucking model. Dude, by the way, that's what I was going to say to you, man. He's like, um, he looked like he was kind of um, one of those holiday rips. Uh, what was the fucking show again years ago with Sue Pollard in it? <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about. Heidi High. Heidi High, yeah, yeah. He looked like the f- <laughs> he was under breaking into the fucking wardrobe for Heidi High last night with the yellow yellow blazer on him. <laughs> please, please. I know, I know. Michelle, come on. Shout out to the younger listeners there, Bob, who might not remember that. <laughs> big, big drama show. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. We're going to get uh, Golovkin Canelo 3, and for me, there's only one winner in that one. 
Rob, uh, just picking up on something you said there, actually we had a question coming from Declan Graffin, which is similar to something you were talking about. He said, I'm a big fan of Canelo, but what is the panel's opinion on his physical makeup? Seems to be ripped since the first Triple G fight and has developed a chin of granite. He goes from getting badly rocked against Cotto's brother to taking uh. flush shots off big punches like Triple G and Jacobs and not blinking, still getting benefits off the Mexican meat, question mark. I don't know. Like it's hard to. F I don't know all the training you can do, and from well, my knowledge of steroids and PEDs, I don't know if we can make you get a better beard. I mean, I think people read too way too much into that. Cotto's brother, um, he didn't even get knocked down, dude. Like he just, he got wobbled yeah. for a second. He was in banging trouble, but he was only a kid. It's boxing, only, you know. <laughs> it's boxing. Yeah, he was only a kid, and he, he he didn't see the shot either, which is. Which doesn't help, you know what I mean? So, and he showed good powers of recovery, I think, in that fight as well, because he got rid of the guy in the next round. So, he's always had a beard as long as he's been fighting at the top level. The closest I've ever seen him to coming to getting stopped was against Floyd, and I think that was just pure bewilderment. Like he didn't know what to do, or how to how to act, how to adjust in the ring, and it was a stage where I thought Floyd was going to take him out in that fight. But since then, he's rarely looked dazed, if even in trouble. And like you said, yeah, ship big shots to to Golovkin didn't budge and shift, shipped a big shot to Danny Jacobs last night and didn't budge either so he's the real deal anyway or he's after developing into the real deal whether there is um, if whether he is still getting the benefits of PED use I don't know I, I mean I'm just kind of sick of talking about it at this stage it's rife in boxing we don't know he, he cleared his B sample like I said so we kind of have to judge him on his um, on merit for where he is at the moment but He's after turning into whatever whatever it is, whatever the case may be with him, he's after turning into a right little fighter. Very, very good performance last night. Yep, well done. Well said, Rob. I, I would agree with that. Let's just uh, turn our attention briefly now to the TV situation. I watched the DAZN version last night, but me and Andy were talking off the air. Apparently, there seems like there was two versions. Brian Kenny and Sergio Mora were doing one of them. The version I watched was another dude alongside Barry Tompkins, and they made the point that whenever Jacob stood in front of Canelo, he presented a sitting target. You know, side-to-side, -side, constant movement that was required, so Canelo couldn't set himself up as easily. I know it's easy, sit it's easy sitting here and talking about these things, because Canelo has Rob rightly said is a master of his craft but you remember Erislandi Lara gave him so much trouble because you never quite knew where Lara was going to be for too long so he had hard it was harder to, to time him and, and to pin him down but anyway belly of the week to the, the zone pairing who said that neither man had been knocked out in their careers last night of course forgetting the Dimitri Pirog fight and uh, moving on to Sky I'm assuming that's the version you saw Box Royalty was one of many people who tweeted me complaining about um, the ever-present Carl Froch Froch genuinely doesn't give a fuck just happy for the trip and the Sky wage effortless prick He just he's just painful to listen to and his opinions are dog shit says Box Royalty not a fan he had it. He had Canelo up a point, I think, after five rounds. I'm sorry, but I think Canelo slept, uh, swept the board the first five rounds. In my opinion, I thought J uh, Jacobs left it far too late to kind of get started. Uh, probably about round eight. You know, it was good exchange that in uh, by both in that round actually. But um, yeah, Froch is just he's just incapable. Like he's going to be doing some research and just putting a boss opinion across. I mean, for example, I mean, who are we talking about here? Well, I remember the. Um, the Herrera fight, for example, you know, oh, he's never he's never been knocked out, but thirty nine of age, thirty nine years of age, and that is he still he's still hungry and all that type of stuff. You know, another thing is going to be Saddam Ali. I think he said something along the lines he likes he was, you know, we know he's confident and he can fight and all that sort of stuff. Uh, 
but that, that's all the opinion he gave inside Amali. You know, nothing, nothing about the fact is he got, you know, probably <laughs> he's, not, not, not about the fact is he, he got his, his absolute prime kicked to him by fucking Mungia. I bet he doesn't even know that happened. On it genuinely, does genuinely probably, doesn't. Aye. Probably, yeah. isn't he? I was going to say, that's about the height of the information that he knows about Saddam Ali. And do you know what as well? I think he nailed his flag to the mast, didn't he? Like he was pulling the company line. He was going for Jacobs before the fight for the upset. So he was kind of reluctant when the fight when the fight was going on to give uh, Canelo as much credit as he deserved. So yeah, he he definitely was picking Jacobs before the fight, I think. So uh, towing the Eddie Hearn line there. Uh, looking at Jacob's technique, Andy, I think it's because so, it, his arms are so long and he, he's such a tall guy, it suffers a little bit when he's on the inside. You know, you can imagine him using to needing to use those long levers and he can't be as effective on the inside. But we spoke about uh, him trying to get to the body and also he was leaving himself open by going southpaw. But the cross-arm defence was leaving him open to the left hook as well. He was better when he moved, he blocked and he slipped. I was disappointed that he didn't listen to Andre Rosier more. And um, Rosier is a good trainer, in my opinion. But as for going forward, Andy, uh, is Billy Joe Saunders the only guy that can cause Canelo trouble, says Matthew D'Souza in the chat? Um, well, just on the, on the Jacobs comments, I, I agree with you because, as I said, I think I even mentioned it last week, everything that Jacobs could do, Canelo could do it, you know, probably twice better. As I say, his, his jab was, was fantastic. As Rob mentioned, when, when Jacobs went to Southpaw, he was finding gaps for the left hook. He was he was, he was dipping his, left, his head to the left-hand side and bringing the right hand up the middle. So he was catching Jacobs either either uh, Southpaw or Orthodox. Um, okay, Jacobs, as I say, he caught him good, but I think it was a left hook. In the eighth round, I think it was, and he was getting a few body shots in. Some were kind of maybe strained, maybe slightly low, but um, this wasn't enough, you know, for, for a guy who was pumped up for the fight, um, you know, at, at, you know, at the way in, you know, I just thought, you know, he'd have brought it to him much harder than what he did, and he didn't do it. I thought he left it far too late, and even then, going into the 12th round, probably thinking and knowing, you know, that he needed a knockout. He didn't, he didn't seem to push for it. And then he seen after the fight, for example, that you know he thought he did enough, more than enough to kinda of basically kinda of get the win. But I'm sorry, but that is like the kind of Badoo Jack syndrome. You know, you, you do enough to lose or get a draw. But as for Billy Joe Saunders and that, um if you're talking boxing technique and defence and stuff, I think it's probably a, you know, a very, very good uh, fight that because as, uh, as as we mentioned last week and as and as Rob's alluded to as well, is that Canelo, you know, adjustment wise Back off that Floyd fight has made good strides, and in, you know, you know, he's worked on his defence. Now you can see that uh, Saunders has got quite decent defence. You know, natural southpaw. I just, I just don't know if he's if he can match the work rate actually. And obviously, as well, I, I know that you know, I don't know if the PED stuff is going to be like so. You know, it's going to like help him going forward. And that obviously he can get natural gains and that if if you've been caught before, it's been mentioned. But um. Saunders at this point probably would be the one that's going to cause him problems. Golovkin is, is now on the slide. Um, then Dam's obviously done. I don't think there's any point seeing seen that fight. Um, so other than that, um, I, didn't think any, I can't even think anybody coming up through the ranks and that who's going to present a challenge from at this time. Who's in Dam fighting, Andy? I saw his name being thrown out this week. Um, he's super, a... super middleweight against... It's not, is it Ramirez or ben, Benavides? No, no it's... Oh, fuck, who was it? I saw that as well. I was trying to think. I saw his oh, name in a, in a shake for a title. Yeah. Is it Callum Smith? It's not Callum Smith, is it? That might be Smith, actually. That is Callum Smith. Yeah, I think so. I'm sure it is. Oh, yeah. not, Just uh, what Callum Smith needs. He's gone back into hiding against Smith. 
it's just mm-hmm. a it's a career. It's, it's not so much of a waste, but you know, it's just like it's like once a year and that. Other than that, he, he must be, uh, as I say, Smith must be struggling to make that away. Hence, the reason why he's only fighting like what once a year or so. Mm, yeah, this the chat have confirmed it is Callum Smith. Uh, the Texas Tornado is in with us, Gabe Lewis. Just before we come to you, Gabe, question for you, Rob, coming in to the chat box from Rob Barnett there over on youtube.com forward slash boxing asylum. How can Canelo be considered as a pound for pound number one or even top five when he has arguably lost against Triple G twice and Lara was touch and go? Well, that's true, oh, but I mean, you took that at the end of the day, he won, but he won the fight. You know, you're getting into the territory, Rob. Do you remember me arguing? with that idiot on Twitter who blocked me because he said that uh, Felix Trinidad's reign wasn't as good because he had him losing to Oscar De La Hoya and that was the only breaking point a fight that he actually officially won I will look at it I like, I like Rob he's a good he's a good contributor uh, to the podcast and to the chat every week um, but I think that's a bit harsh I mean look I don't have him pound for pound number one I think it's between Lomachenko and Crawford but he's up there I mean his record is the names on his record regardless of when he got him um, are very very good. His resume is incredible. From I'd say after the Gomez fight, which was a bit of a gimme for him, he's had all tough opponents. Like he hasn't had really any any gimmies when you think about it. He, yeah, I mean maybe Angulo was there for the taking. Uh, Kirkland might have been there for the taking. Lara's contentious. It's a lot of like the Lara fight was a hard one. I I kind of had Lara winning that by a round uh, on the night when I scored it. I've never looked at it back since. Um, and scored it, but it was a close fight all the same. And Lara is an elite fighter. Like Lara's not, Lara's no mug. Even at this stage of his career, he'd give any of the fifty fours a nightmare. So, um, and the Golovkin fights, I thought he lost the first one. Couldn't make an argument for him winning the first one, but he definitely won the second one. To me, anyway, I thought he won. He won the second one clearly in a close fight. I don't think Golovkin did enough, and Golovkin wasn't able to make any adjustments from the first fight to cause him any trouble. So. I think he's rightfully in contention in the pound-for-pound pound spot. He has to be in the top three, whatever way you, way, way you spin it, I think. So um, I wouldn't hold those uh, the results of the Golovkin fight against him because Golovkin was one of the best, was probably the best in the world and, and one of the pound-for-pound pound top guys at the time as well. So he's in the shake-up as it stands in 2019. I think Canelo is rightfully in the mix for the top pound-for-pound pound fighters in the world. Yeah, in fairness to Rob, he did send a second message saying, I appreciate his record is incredible and he doesn't duck anybody, but to be considered pound for pound, great victories have to be clear cut and some of Canelo's biggest fights are far from it. Right, the only clear cut thing I know right now is Gabe Lewis is ready to spew. Come on then, Gabe, I edit 116-112 to Canelo. What did you score the fight? Uh, I had it uh, the same score. It was uh, not all really that close of a fight. Um, there was some rounds that, that I thought were semi-close, uh, but I mean, I think it's, it, it was, it went kind of how I expected without Jacobs moving in and out and changing up the range real well. He didn't have success when he, when, when he did have success, you could see him, uh, he'd be out at range using his jab a little bit. And then sometimes he would step inside and have a little bit of success. And then on the way back out, he could he could throw a jab or or uh, he really didn't seem to try too many straight punches. Um, it seemed like he he was afraid to because he knew he was going to get fucking countered. So really, I mean, I, I thought it was a great performance by Canelo. Uh, Daniel Jacobs just 
to me didn't do enough to win a lot of a lot of rounds there. Uh, I mean, I think maybe he felt like the the big punches were going to do something. Maybe he thought he could hurt them, but I mean that's a terrible strategy for really really anybody. I I, I never like to see a guy bank on landed uh, a couple of big punches. It just doesn't make any sense. You should, in my mind, step into the ring looking to uh, have a plan to connect as often and frequently as possible. And he really didn't display anything of that nature. So, you know, I watched it. Um, I felt like it wasn't really that close. I, I thought the uh, fight overall was, I mean, it wasn't a terrible fight. Decent evening on that on that fight. I didn't get to see any of the undercard. Um, but like I said, Canelo, uh, his defense was what really did the trick. I mean, I felt like he was able to make Jacobs miss a lot, uh, landed his counter punching. Like I talked about last week, he, he's developed into a really fine boxer. And uh, I think that you saw that last night against a guy who maybe doesn't get a lot of credit for being a real good boxer. Um, you know, pretty solid evening. Good stuff, Gabe. In the car, going out to a hit. Who knows what's in that boot at the moment? We we can only guess, I suppose. Uh, the chat are discussing Jared Hurd, actually. It's a snake. It's a snake? There you go. Gabe out trapping. Goddamn Rattler. <laughs> Goddamn Rattler. <laughs> Maybe Gabe could get bitten live is on it, air. Who knows? Is it, is it Sergio the Snake Mora? <laughs> or is Gabe going to go He for is her? not allowed in my vehicle. <laughs> is it, is it going to be Gabe or Serial Killer? <laughs> uh, yeah, the chat are talking about Jared Hurd. He's fighting next week against Julian J. Rock Williams. We'll get to that fight in due course. Let's get on to the undercard then. Gabe didn't see a single second of it, Andy. We've spoken to John Ryder already. We've seen that one. I didn't see the Saddam Ali fight. They didn't show it on the DAZN feed that I watched. He lost to Anthony Young. You can talk about that if you wish. Uh, Virgil Ortiz looked very impressive, I thought, against a, a bit of a shop-worn Mauricio Herrera now. They can't really uh, put it, push him out anymore, even on name value. He's starting to look He's starting to look a bit sorry for himself, a little bit maybe chin-broken, perhaps uh, Herrera. Not that impressed by Lamont Roach. I've seen him in the past. He had a decent fight. And if you make him work, he does look a lot better. But Jonathan Aquendo, I thought, uh, did a few good things in that fight. And uh, Freddie Fonseca against Joseph Diaz. Liking this new Joseph Diaz, liking his haircut. And I'm liking, Andy, the fact that uh, Jojo Diaz is actually going for it now. He's throwing punches. He's not standing off and boxing. He's learned a lot from the Gary Russell fight. Talk about that one or whatever else you want on the undercard. Uh, and he also became the vacant WBA gold super featherweight champion. Amazing. Well done uh, to him. Well done to him. No, I've um, I seen the Ortiz knockout. It was pretty emphatic, wasn't it? You know, It was just more like along the lines of Herrera's... What is it, 38, 39 now? He has been a good servant. Um, one of those guys, you know, I always felt sorry for him when he fought Danny Garcia. Uh, should, should have got a decision, but mm. um, just a shame for him. And other than that, on that card, I didn't see Diaz. I think I was still asleep at the time. And John Ryder, obviously, as well. Uh, as I say, it was um, the short right hook on the inside was, was what really kind of changed the course of that fight. And then he took him out of there. So, I uh, fair play to John. So, yeah, um, just on, on the Ali fight, I'd noticed a couple of guys on Twitter not, um, taking somebody's advice about Ali um, getting knocked out uh, off his Anthony Young, which he duly did in three rounds. But as I say as well, you know, I don't know if it was mentioned, or, or, or I've not seen the fight, but I don't know if it was mentioned on the broadcast that anybody's seen it or anything like that, but 
my opinion, Mungia just basically kind of beat whatever's left at Ali right out of him. And uh, if he's getting beat off uh, Anthony Young inside three rounds, who I don't think is a big puncher, um, I think it's kind of right on the wall for Ali. Yeah, the writing's on the wall for Ali. Regarding Herrera, the only person I really remember working him over was the, uh, the the talented but frustrating Frankie Gomez, the guy who could never get down in weight, but he always had the ability. And a few trainers tried, but they couldn't do anything with him. He he really looked good against Herrera, and he was an excellent fighter, Gomez, but no discipline, all the ability in the world. That's somewhere. That's the way it goes. Uh, Rob, you're putting your ability to good use. Anything from the undercard that you managed to see? Did you, what, what version did you watch of this show, by the way? Um, I watched bits and pieces of it on different on different feeds this morning, okay, so I didn't okay. I didn't stay up and watch it last night. I tried to, but I'm just old now, dude. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm the same, man. Really, I'm the same, yeah. Unless there's a really a super fight, I'm not going to stay up and, and watch it live. But um, credit to John Ryder. I mean, I would love to see Sky fully get behind John Ryder now because as good as his performances have been, he seems to be a bit part player in the makeup. Now I know John's a quiet dude. And he's very humble and he doesn't trash talk anybody. But Adam Smith loves a story. And what story is better than John Ryder's? Like, you lose to Nick Blackwell, lose to Billy Joe Saunders, lose. What's the other loss on his record? Arfield, is it? Jack Ar- Was it Jack Armfield beat him or Rocky Field? He fought Rocky Fielding. Arnfield, fight- Rocky Fielding, I-, I thought he won that fight, but he lost mm-hmm. the decision. And you're thinking, where does he go now? And then he just comes back with stoppage after stoppage after stoppage after stoppage. And on the bigger stages, like the Nielsen one, I would have had him an underdog going into that uh, for some people. Brilliant right hook in that fight. And that right hook is after becoming his money punch since he moved up to 68. Absolutely fantastic shot to get the ball rolling last night. And I like that he had a bit of the killer in him where he he, he got rid of uh, Akawi afterwards after having him hurt. Uh, shout out to referee Jay Nady who took a punch in the stomach as he was calling the fight off. <laughs> um, as Akawi tried to throw back, he said, good shot. The fight's over. <laughs> so I don't know if you caught that on the feed, but it's worth I saw a cowie going, fuck! <laughs> yeah, it was comedy value. Like he went, yeah, I clocked he, it. It was, went, a right, oh. it was a right hook, I think. Uh, yeah, he went, ooh, good shot. Fight's over. Um, so, but um, good, good for John Ryder. Like, and I hope he wins the, the title outright because if anyone deserves it, it's him. And um, what a story that is. Like, forget your Dave Allen. That, that John Ryder, to come back from losing to Blackwell and Anfield to get to where he is now, at 68 is absolutely unbelievable and he deserves all the credit not just because he comes on the asylum and not just because he's distantly related to me or whatever but he's um he's everything good about the sport um, dedicated himself to it like there was a time where he was going to quit and become a bouncer you know what I mean so he's he's he was finished with her and as somebody mentioned in the chat wasn't he basically and then didn't he come back on like a fight by fight basis well I felt like Harren threw him under the bus with the feeling one um fighting Liverpool um didn't get the rub of the green on the cards, despite I thought I wouldn't say it was a close. I know it was a close fight. Feeling is going to give you that with his size, but I thought John did enough to win that fight seven five that night and didn't get it. Um, so you could see he wasn't in Hearn's plans really. It was, it was feeling, but he's gone on the road, done it the hard way, and he's come back. He's put himself back in the picture at Sky. So I'd like to see them fully get behind him in in terms of getting him a good payday now because he deserves it. Yeah, before we go over to Stockton, California, there is a message coming from Rob Barnett as well. Andy, you might be interested in this one. We've been discussing this on and off and hearing bits and pieces about this. He said, what's your thoughts, uh, the thoughts from you guys on how much longer Sky can retain boxing 
when it is abundantly clear the zone will be making a move into the UK market soon. Sooner the better, in my opinion, says Rob. Well, this is the interesting thing, isn't it, Andy? I know Eddie is is in charge of Matchroom, but people see him as the official face of things. You know, whenever anything happens at the zone, they're congratulating Eddie for signing Canelo and all this type of stuff. So whether he's got anything to do with it or not, he is the face of the zone, and he's also providing uh, boxing and through his company darts as well to Sky. So he's sort of talking out different sides of his mouth at the moment, Eddie. Uh, you know, heaven forbid. But anyway, where's this going to end? Because I've said it before, you've got DAZN going on about the death of pay-per-view. Oh, do you know these little memes, you know, smashing up the pay-per-view? When on the other side, you've got Sky trying to sell the same thing to the UK subscribers. Who are going to be seeing this on Twitter and Facebook and all these other platforms? Oh, the end of pay-per-view, DAZN, the end of pay-per-view. Oh, uh, buy Joel Miller against Anthony Joshua for £20 at 4am on a Saturday night. Oh, no, sorry, Joel Miller's out now. You've got Andy Ruiz in instead. Or if you're not happy with that, you could maybe buy uh, Dillian White against Oscar Rivas instead. Uh, you know, what do you mean? You've never heard of Oscar Rivas. He had a, a great win over Bryant Jennings. That's £20 as well. And then meanwhile, you hear in the background echoing, death of pay-per-view, death of pay-per-view. How can Sky and DAZN continue like this for, for much longer? Well, I think it really depends on what kind of content the zone's really going to be putting on their subscription. I mean, I understand that it's not available in the UK until next year. Is that right? Apparently so, yeah. Because they've not got right to the content and that. I mean, I'll put it this way. If, um, if they're going to... If they're going to come into the UK, into the UK market and they're going to have like so all the football, so we're not talking like say your shitty MLS and Chinese football. If you're talking like Germany, Italy, France, England, and all that type of thing, and then you factor in the, the box on top of that, and say you get the fights with Japan, America, like and, and you get all these. But you, you, last night was supposed to be a big fight. You know, I'm seeing Americans complaining like fuck because of the state of that the zone setup. It just felt like I can. Your bog standard Friday night fight card, so to speak, you know, rather than like suppose pound for pound number one fighter in the world fighting or trying to unify a division. Um, Sky is, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way for what you get for what you pay, it is absolutely shocking. Now, you, you think about this if if uh, the zones come in here and they say it's like 88 pounds, say, a year for all that content, and I, I just mentioned, I'm talking about like Champions League, European football, all, mm. these, all these different leagues, all these different boxing contents. I'll tell you right now, man, I'll be, be cancelling Sky in a heartbeat just so I can get that. For 88 quid a month, when you consider, like, see, for what you pay for Sky Sports at the minute, you're getting, well, okay, we, we, people who listen to this podcast know, you know, what type of content that we're getting on the, on, on the Sky shows, outside pay-per-view. The football is fucking shocking. I hate that English Premier League stuff. And you know, it's just pish. Um, I'll watch it for it as mainly as, as the Rangers games. I don't even watch any international fucking football. I hate cricket. I hate Matt's, golf. Matt's having to pay for that. <laughs> I know, but he should play for golf, cricket, and all that sort of stuff. You know, I just, I just think for what you pay, you know, ninety. Let's just say, for example, ninety pound a month for for a subscription, and that's getting you like what that. You know, I would say no, 90 pounds a month, and you, you, if you pay 88 quid a year and you get all that content I just mentioned there, that's a no brainer, man. Sky is, is, is a question, or uh, the person put the question, saying is they can't sustain that for much longer. Well, you're plus, Rob's, plus you've got yeah. IPTV involved in as well. People are using it, that stuff as Rob, well. Rob's more of a neutral observer, aren't you, Rob? I mean, if you're, say, if you're only a boxing fan, right, and you're paying Sky, you're paying the 23, 4 pounds or whatever it is, you know, for the basic package and then the sports as well, then you're having yeah. to pay on top for all these pay per views. Like I said, you've got White, you've got uh, Joshua, you had Usyk Bell, you for 20 pounds. Meanwhile, the zone was showing it for ten dollars a month death of pay-per-view well i yeah I'm, I'm i'm kind of in line with the with the new model like i i there was a time where i paid for box nation i would have paid for satanta over the years bt on top of the sky 
sports package and the entertainment package. Now I don't have any of that. If I want to watch a TV show, I'll just get a download somewhere. And if there was an app coming on the market that for, like Andy says, a tenner a month or whatever it may be, eight quid a month, you know, like I'm, I'm looking at my friends in America on their Facebook and they're like defending their zone. They're like, this is $100 a year and you get hundreds of fights and other sports. It's, it doesn't matter. Like it, it, I'd happily pay a 10 quid like Netflix to have an app there on a smart TV that I could throw on, watch those fights anytime I wanted to. It'd be worth it to me. I mean, you know, as a as a hardcore boxing fan, if you if if um, regardless of who's the face behind it, if it's Eddie or whatever, like if there's fights like that going on for a ten or a month, it'd be all over it to watch them crystal clear and not have to worry about streams or streams going down or any of that. No, I'd happily subscribe. I'd be all over the zone. If, Gabe, uh, if that yeah. came to the market. So, Gabe, what do you think about this thing then? Because obviously nobody likes a pay-per-view, but does boxing need pay-per-view when it comes to making the truly big money? I know Golovkin and Canelo have got these superb DAZN contracts, but apart from the guys, if you're a tr hardcore boxing fan, you're paying for DAZN, and then DAZN are sort of preaching to the choir. You know, you've got these few thousand subscribers who are watching big fights like last night. Other than that, are they able to bring in the casual fans the way that and sustain them the way that a pay-per-view would be able to? You know, that one-off, that Mayweather-Pacquiao, that Canelo Golovkin moment, the pay per view manages to bring it in and make money for everybody. But other than that, on the zone, who else is watching the zone apart from boxing fans? Are they going to be able to grow past their current subscriber base, Gabe? I know this is probably the longest question in history, but what do you think? I've sent him to sleep. It must have crashed the car of the question, mate. I don't blame him, to be honest with you, Andy. I was freaking boring myself towards the end of that. Maybe the rattle stink got a hold of him. <laughs> I was just thinking, actually. Um, oh, Gabe's gone altogether. I was just, I was, <laughs> I was yeah. just thinking um, about this the other day in terms of like true paper pay per view fights that have gone on in my lifetime. So I'm talking super fights. So in my lifetime, I've had I've lived through Hagler and Hearns, which are, are so Hagler and Hearns. I don't remember because I was only like five, but I remember clearly Leonard and Hagler. I remember um, Tyson Spinks, Tyson Holyfield. And then Floyd Pacquiao, but like I would say, they are the true pay-per-view ones. Where no, where no matter where you are on the play, planet, you want to see Mike Tyson versus Lennox Lewis, or you want to see Floyd versus Manny, or you want to see Sugar Ray Leonard versus Marvin Hagler. I think those ones will permeate like throughout the world. But some of the other fights that we've had on pay-per-view over the years have been dismal. I'm just wondering, like, what are the fights that you think? you would definitely pay for out of the pay-per-view ones in your lifetime, like mega fights that you'd pay for every time rather than just kind of stream on. Mayweather Pacquiao. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just wondering, yeah, no. apart from us guys, but uh, Rob... I fuck that night by trying to get a stream for that fight. Well, Honestly, uh, God. We've got one in the end. I'm just wondering, apart from us and the nerds, who's actually watching these things? Where does Zone go into to advertise? Apart, you know, they're advertising forthcoming boxing on their own apps and that. I mean, look at the Rung Vizai Estrada rematch, for example. We, we enjoyed that. We looked forward to it. It was a good show. Doha Haney against Roman was good. But who, in, in reality, was actually watching that? I mean, on the Zone, two, three thousand people. I mean, seriously, who, who was even in the arena? And and here's the dangerous thing: if the Zone make this a success. PBC version of the app comes next because ESPN are already on it. So ESPN are already on ESPN plus the app. So they're going to go to an app-based subscription. Then PBC are going to go to an app-based subscription and you're going to get a, a kind of an extended version of what's going on now with, with the fighters just being tied down to more 
by more networks than, than and promoters. Like it's going to be horrible. If if, if there's only the, they come to the UK, I want them to be doing, doing it on Sky basically, so you can actually can then do it through that. So eighty quid a year sitting on the computer. I mean, it is quite tedious not trying to sit and find streams for fights that are no really like on TV for us. But mm. can be very hazardous as well if we're trying to do live post fight pods and I'm <laughs> seconds behind everybody else. This is true. <laughs> Second. Well, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna go into a real brief discussion. Yeah. Uh, on on Donald Trump, I'm going to bring that up for just a second. So apparently, out here in America, Trump has worked with the Democrats and begun some kind of uh, authorization to to invest, spend, however you want to term it, in uh, internet infrastructure, power grid shit, stuff like that. So I think the reason why. Some of the stuff that we still have out here exists, like for me, uh, DirecTV or some of the satellite providers and shit like that, um, is because like out where where I live, you know, you guys have heard it get kind of kind of uh, robotic and stuff because the internet connections out here. I mean, we have high speed internet, of course, you know, it's old as shit, um, but they're working to improve all that stuff. If they get to the point where they can reach out to these kind of rural areas where we're where we're at where we're from, then I think that you're going to see a lot more uh, products like streaming services and stuff like that because it's such a big portion of people that that have gone that way. I mean, people watch shit on their phones more than they watch actual televisions now in a lot of cases. So whenever you whenever you talk about numbers and all those things. Um, I think eventually they could get to a point where they could rival that of what television used to. But like you guys are saying right now, the numbers are low and they're going to stay missing a certain portion of possible subscribers because of the way that they uh, are going with all this stuff. I mean, there's only so much that we can use at my house at one time, you know, so if I've got uh, my wife back in the back streaming Netflix in in the bedroom and I'm watching The Zone and my son is maybe playing a game on his phone and the other one's fucking around on a tablet or something, you know, whatever it is, then it's going to be uh, a real struggle for me to pull in, you know, my streaming fights and things of that nature. So I think a, lar- a large part of it is that there's still a lot of people out here in the states especially that that don't have the service and the ability to really dig in like a lot of people in more urban areas like you talk about dallas fort worth i mean i was sitting on a bench last night outside of a hotel in dallas and this fucking guy is streaming the fight on his phone and uh we started talking about the fight it was the undercard still when he was when he was watching um but you know in in uh, urban areas the connection's so much better over, you know, over the cell phone providers. Uh, the internet speeds are so much better because they're they're actually modern and up to date. And you know, Texas being so rural, and there's still a lot of other states that have a lot of rural people, uh, rural living people in them. It just kind of stretches it out further, where it's harder for us to get some of the access to some of these services and things. So. I mean, I think that what you guys are talking about is is part of it is because we can't. 
You know, if it was, all this shit that we're talking about was on TV, it'd be no problem for anyone to watch it. But being that they're going to more streaming, I think it's going to hurt. There's going to be some growing pains until, you know, if the the services out in a lot of areas where I like where I live and a lot of other people live catch up to speed with what you're seeing in the urban areas. Gabe, you should have got that guy off the bench in. He could have replaced Hey to Dave. Ah, I should have. I didn't think about it. Fuck I've you, got, Dave. You're getting replaced. I've got the perfect caption for the timestamp. Uh, Gabe discusses Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> so put mark that down. What are we at now? 50 minutes in. So yeah, minutes in. That. There you go. Timestamp, baby. 40, 47 minutes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, put, put Trump on there. That'll really help our subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, let's move on. MDev was talking about uh, Matchroom. Uh, whenever the contract is up with Sky Sports, I think the boxing will be over. Thing is, though, Rob, final point on this. If uh, Sky and Matchroom do uh, part ways on the boxing, as MDev suggests, who on earth would they even get in to replace him? No, it's, it's okay saying Matchroom is serving up shit. We'll get, um, oh, uh, Frank's over at BT, not doing a great job either. I mean, who else are they going to get the, got the domestic answer for you. from? Got the answer for you. Don't worry about it. Got it covered. Hennessy Promotions. Yeah. <laughs> or the return of Kelly Maloney to Sky. So it's going to be in good hands. Don't worry about it. Oh, good hands indeed. But Eddie's going to go where the money goes, where the money is. Don't make any, don't be under any illusions. I mean, if, you know, for Sky, Sky, the platform, the platform, the platform, the platform, if there's one come away with a big check, it'll be the future, the future, the future. So, yeah, he's got, the matchroom is going to go where the money is. You can smell Eddie over there already, can't you? Jacob's pushing at the way oh, in. I uh, saw it. I've never seen him as happy. I was going to say that's the biggest impact he's had. Tevin Farmer uh, at ringside with a bit of intense beef as well. Devin Haney, the new Mayweather. <laughs> all the boys uh, but I never saw him so happy as when they had a little bit of press conference beef that had Matchroom uh, written all over it didn't it like he's definitely yeah. said look put the nut on this guy like in a press conference will you? we need we need some app subscriptions here um, <laughs> big smile on his face afterwards like with his blazer him and Oscar had both had questionable blazers last night be some party no, with them boys in Las Vegas last night <laughs> who was wearing the fishnets and who was doing the Charlie that's what I want to know <laughs> I don't know. We'll leave it down to the imagination, shall we? Right, let's go on to the next card then, Andy, ESPN. Enjoyable show, actually. I enjoyed the two main fights. Anyway, I didn't see the local uh, showstopper, Gabriel Flores Jr. They were bigging up on ESPN, but I did see German Ankoyas managing to stop our friend Ryuchi Funai and also Arta Baturbiev against old hot rod Kalad Zich. Apparently, Kalad Zich had hand problems, they were saying on the telecast, Andy. We were wondering last week why he'd been missing in action, but he'll have head problems this morning after taking those Baturbiev shots. Explain to me how he is a Serbian, by the way, other than the name, because he doesn't look like a Serbian to me. That's why I couldn't remember him for that Marcus Brown fight you were trying to explain to me last week. Oh, hey. yes, yes. He must be American-born or gone over there very young because he doesn't sound very Serbian either. No, um, I don't know what situation is there, but I'll tell you the situation is this. He didn't, he didn't deserve or, or even look like he belonged in that ring there last night. I don't care if he's ranked, like he's ranked in the top 10, top 15, one of the bodies, I think it's IBF at least. Um, but that was, he just didn't belong in there. And I thought it was quite telling that the, the doctor was at least was up in the ring apron twice. Basically, I'd sent the referee, went and kind of like basically, oh, you stop it because the guy just couldn't defend himself. He was taking heavy punishment. The terrible of every punch he threw was well, it was heavy, it was thudding, and the guy had no answers to it. And, um, you know, dropped heavily. 
and then stopped. I suppose you know, just there was zero point in being in that ring there last night. As you know, okay, but Terbi had these problems outside the ring and that with promotional and stuff. But surely, surely, top rank are going to step him up after this. You know, Calvin Johnson gave him gave him a bit of a fright, I suppose. You know, the first round, but um, ultimately got stopped. He goes. 12 rounds, I think it is, with one of the German guys. And then this, so I, th- I really, th- you know, he's constantly talking about Kovalev. He's wanting unification fights and stuff. So I think it's new time. You know, I don't know if, the, the Kovalev go, go be ESPN as well. I think I'm right in saying that as well. So you'd think that a fight could actually be made on that platform, but I don't, I don't know. Um, we need to just make that now, don't they? Let's get on with it. He must be well. He's well in his mid-30s now, I think, but Terry Bev. Is this, is this point now, is, is he going to make up these shitty defences that IBF crown or he makes a unification fight, or he tries to fight some of the better or bigger names and stuff. Kovalev sounds like he's tied up with Yardy at the minute. I don't know what's happened with Bivol. Obviously, there's a situation there with Matchroom and Top Rank. Kovodzic, I think he's VSPN, I think I'm right in saying that. So maybe that's a fight that can be made. But either way, I don't care. I want to see the guy tested because the guys that he's fighting are basically C-level operators or, you know, at best, you know, like especially amongst the European guys, like guys like Calum Johnson, who are probably like yeah, European level at the absolute peak. But um, now there's nothing there whatsoever that's kind of saying to me that you know anybody's going to be testing them anytime soon. And it's a shame because maybe Silly B, Marcus Brown, maybe I don't know. But um, I know it's one of the guys ranked with IBF, one of the German boys. I think he's fighting uh, Krasniki. Oh, Haytol against Krasnichi. That's next week, isn't it? Yeah, as, as a Hertel, I thought it was a guy, Sven Forling, uh, which is different. Okay, so it's, a, it's the wrong guy I was thinking about then. No, yeah, I, just want, I, I just want to see him in the better opposition at this point. And I, I don't know, mate. It's just, at the minute, it's just meh. It's just for me. Yeah, there's a lot of champions and challengers, and I just want to see them get, get stuck into each other, I yeah. suppose. As, as for Ankahas, I mean, it was a, it was a good, uh, good performance for Max. I'd, uh, I'd heard on the on the, on the feed that uh, he'd actually changed up his camp this time, went more into solitude, I think he'd lived on an Air Force base or something like that, and uh, did his training there, broke away from the usual usual habits and stuff, and I thought that he'd maybe showing that, actually, okay, um, I thought he was more aggressive at this point, maybe tried to make, make, make a statement, but I think it's more along the lines of like, say, his opponent, who was a typical Japanese, you know, stand up, tough, but at one point, I think it was about the fifth round that it was starting to get me a bit uncomfortable. He's too tough for his own good, oh, man. Stereotypical man. Japanese warrior. Oh, it's kamikaze, man. He was just taking punishment and punishment, and it was just getting really, really bad at one point. So I think Tim Bradley mentioned it. He says, well, what point do you say enough's enough? Because this guy just isn't going to quit. He just kept coming forward, trying his best, eating shots, and you're saying, you're right, okay, pal. I'll put it this way. When I was watching that fight and um, I heard the commentary, and, I, and I'm watching some of the punishment this guy's taking. I'm saying to myself, can you imagine another Ali Frazier uh, third fight happening nowadays? There would be nobody will have a stomach for that fight going into the 15th round or the 14th round uh, the way it did because it took a special fucking animal to sit and watch the two guys do what they did to each other. So I don't think we'll ever see a fight like that again. But I thought that's the way it was turning, considering the amount of punishment that Japanese fight was taking. So, so how much is it going to be enough? And to be honest, it wasn't even competitive. I thought I thought he was just there as a kind of punching bag. And maybe that is the type of fighter that Cahas needs to make, make himself look good because we mentioned it last week, he hasn't been looking good in his last two or three defences. So maybe he's got a niche now that he can you know, fight these guys who are stand-up, straightforward, come-ahead come fighters because he will look a million dollars against them. 
Yeah, the chat are talking about Josh Taylor against Ivan Baranchik there and a possible final against Regis Progray at the top of the show. You will have heard me uh, playing the Regis Progray clip after he beat Kirill Relic. Quite an amusing one. Friend of the pod, pod Dom Henry, Dominic Henry, alerted me to that Progray <laughs> clip. Enjoyed that one, so we got that out of the way. Also, uh, Emily Emily Rogerson's in the chat. Welcome to you, Emily, friend of the pod. She was asking last week if she wanted to, if she was able to come on the panel. So, Emily, I'll see you in the chat there. Hit me up and uh, we'll get you on tonight. No problem at all. As long as you have a microphone and a pair of headphones, we'll get you on, Emily. So, uh, let me know. You're welcome to join at any point. Uh, Rob, anything from you on this card? Baturbiev against Kalazdic. I thought that... The doctor kept on having a word with the referee, a little whisper in his ear, saying, look, you're going to have to keep an eye on Klasdich here. He's he's, get, he's taking too many shots. His legs are a little bit wobbly. And as soon as he took the first clean shot in the round five, I think it was when he got stopped, or round four, he jumped in and waved it off. But Baturbiev, he was quite wild. He can get hit, you know. Callum Johnson dropped him as well. But he knows against guys like Klasdich, who can't hurt him, he's just going to throw the bombs and get through him. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not over the moon about Baturbiev. Like I watch his fights, but and I think he's very good technically, and he can punch. So there's nothing like. But I'd say I just haven't fallen in love with watching him. Like um, maybe it's because of the opposition, but he's only had 14 fights as well. So it's about time. I think he's that mixing it now. Like Andy said, at the top level, so we see what he's really about. Um, you know, potential Kovalev fight, potential Bivol fight. Let's see him. Like we don't. You know what I mean? It's like potential Anthony Yard fight. You won't even need sparring for that one. Like so, um, yeah. But I'm wondering if Emily comes on the chat or comes on the panel, will she sound like Brian King? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We're waiting to hear back from her here. She's in the chat. She has expressed her interest, Rob, in joining the call. So hopefully we'll get Emily on tonight. All right, Brian. We'll talk to you in a minute, dude. <laughs> <laughs> The skeptics are out, Emily. Come on, prove them wrong. They don't think that you're of the feminine variety. Prove them wrong, Emily. Prove them wrong. See, 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 if it, see, if it, see if it isn't a, oh, a female. That is the most elaborate catfish display I've ever seen by you know, the first one to drop a comment on the YouTube chat for how long now? How many <laughs> and years? Still, and still has the Spencer X. It still has the Spencer X thing. And then when you go to messengers, <laughs> when, apparently when people go to messenger and stuff like that, you know, all forms of communication are basically no there. So Yeah, Area 51. Yeah, something's <laughs> up. Especially all these Twitter accounts getting ice recently as well. Oh, Me smell shit. There you go. Emily slipped back into the Bermuda Triangle. She disappeared off the chat there, but we shall see. You mm. never know. We shall see. Uh, talking to people who it's hard to pin down, Gabe Lewis, you're en route somewhere. Did you manage to see anything of the ESPN card last night? And Koyas and Baturbiev, Gabe? Yeah, I did see uh, Baturbiev. And uh, what was uh, who else was on there? Jesus, who was it? It was Koyas um... against Funai, Gabe? No, before that one. Gabriel Flores. Yeah, Jesus Christ, they sound like a bunch of fucking cheerleaders, man. It was ridiculous. Did you did you see the ESPN feed or Yeah, but I didn't see that fight. I only saw the two world title fights. Oh Jesus. It was I didn't see the Encaz fight, but uh ESPN sounded terrible. I mean they literally sound like a bunch of fucking twelve year old girls. Uh I don't know. I mean it was a good knockout, I guess, but Fucking A. They were sucking his dick the whole time. Terrible shit. Uh, but then the uh, Baturbia fight, uh, I mean, what did you expect to happen? Uh, I, I thought it was, uh, I mean, he finished it like he should have. Um, I didn't see anything to get excited about. He still looks wild. 
he still doesn't look real sound. He still looks like somebody's going to chin him and knock him the fuck out. So there's that. I mean, that's I, I, and that's not to sound bad about the guy. I mean, I don't think he's a uh, a bad person. Fuck, I don't even know him, you know. But as far as watching him fight, it's just kind of like, well, I mean, you, you know what to expect for the most part. And uh, he's going to fight the way that he does, and it's not going to change because nobody's done anything to make him change yet. Um, but I feel like sooner or later somebody's going to chin his ass and we'll find out what's what then because I don't really think he's much going to be much of a guy that really adapts uh, whenever, whenever things go wrong. But, I mean, look at his age. You know, at this point, to be fighting like he does, I don't see how you could – viably put him in with a top-notch guy and expect him to, to come out unscathed in some shape, form, or fashion. Uh, I mean, he, he can go in and he could beat some some really good fighters, but it wouldn't be a shock to me if, if when he does step up, he just gets sent right back down by, you know, the best guys in the division because of how – I don't know, technically unsound he looks sometimes and, and because he seems to really just rely on on being a, a solid puncher. So I'm not enamored with the guy. I mean, I'll watch his fights. I, I think I've seen quite a few of his fights um, going back and looking through YouTube and some other stuff. Um, but, I mean, I just I don't see much to get excited about. Uh, maybe get some highlight reel knockouts from him facing some lower level opposition. Uh, and a guy like last night who really couldn't stand up to the punches and who really didn't have much of an answer in terms of defending against it or keeping him back. You know, I think that's another thing. If he fights somebody that can uh, kind of stick him a little bit and then move, you know, I think that's going to be something that gives him trouble. You know, lots of good footwork, um, a decent sized ring. I, I, get, I can see somebody just boxing his ears off too. So. I don't know. I mean, it was a like I said, it was a uh, looked like a rough night. So uh, not for him, for his opponent. So he did what he was supposed to. So hard to hard to say too much bad things about him. But overall, in the grand scheme of things, you kind of see where he shakes out. Indeed, Gabe. That is all the action from the weekend that I have clocked. Andy, you usually see these uh, cards that I might have missed. Was there anything? What about Mike Perez against? Uh, Macabre just come coming to my mind actually. Did that even go ahead? No, I John McDonald for Box Monthly mentioned me saying that um, it's been pushed back to June. I don't know if, what reason it was. Um try to think what else I saw last night actually. I watched the uh, that Belgian card, I found the official YouTube channel for it, uh, that Riyad Mera who's one of the cruiserweight prospects and oh, he, had, yes, yeah. he had a three round knockout against a I wouldn't even say he was a boxer, actually one of the Argentinians, so you just don't know what kind of shit you're dealing with there. He, 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 basically, anybody at B level at cruiserweight has dealt with that guy handedly. So at least he, de- at least he de- uh, dealt with that. The other thing I dealt with is I dealt with the other thing I'd seen, but I didn't actually see the actual fight. Um, Ali Funeka, remember him? Oh, the South African who beat uh, Joanne Guzman. Aye, he was fighting last night against the one of the German prospects, Abes Barua. Uh, five no, um, he got stopped in five rounds. Um, Anthony, you get one last night as well, and um, I don't know if you remember the big uh, Danish heavyweight. It was on the Saudi Arabia card in the WBSS. Uh, Kim Lundqvist he had an eight-round decision victory last night as well in Germany, and uh, Leon Boone nine-round knockout. 
Oh, against, against Leon Hearth. Leon Hearth, aye. So it was one of the IBF title fights and that. So I dare say Boon will now be somewhere ranked top, I would say probably top 10, uh, 175. One thing you might be interested in, Andy, next Friday night over in Bolivia, friend of the pod, ah, Saul. Well, I'll tell you what, he's listed as the uh, top of the bill and he's also listed as the matchmaker. So he's, he's picked his own fight and he's no messing about from Saul, who is six, uh, 69 wins, 23 losses and three draws. So a very experienced fighter, Saul. He's picked for himself yes. Caesar Mamani. No wins, six losses and one draw. So he's given himself an easy one there. Yep, and his six losses, mate, are by hut. Six knockouts. Oh, my God. <laughs> And by the way, this this is a rematch from March. In fact, no, wait a minute. Sorry, excuse me. This is the fourth fight together. So they basically fought the first time in 2017. Ferrara won, uh, so he retired in the fifth round. Ferrara then beat him uh, in August 2018, knocked him out in the third round. It's actually even got a video here of the fight and all that sort of stuff, and official wearing pictures and that. Very, very glossy. Uh, then they met again in March this year, and... Uh, the guy retired again, so Saul Farah's got three stoppage victories over this dude. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fight we're all wanting to see. Hopefully, the zone pick it up. Andy, this is dodgy as hell because if you look at his other three or four fights, he's had he, the only fight that he's had any sort of success is a split draw against a debutant. But he's had three fights apart from the Farah fights, all against this Esteban Hillman Tababari, who I noticed is also on the card on Friday night. For fighting against another guy who he's also fought three times. So they're just building these records up to go over to Europe, basically. Oh, what, mate? I mean, I remember reading one of Ryan Scalia's uh, articles. It was uh, on the Argentinian boxing. And what happened was, see, BoxRec, uh, sometimes the Yanks go by, I think, called Fight Facts rather than BoxRec because I I think you go to... I forget why the reason they do it, but anyway... They actually found out that this Argentinian fighter was uh, his, his record just wasn't wasn't so much as fudged, but it wasn't uh, the guy who he was proclaiming to be. Basically, as he dug up this fucking record of a, a boxer who died five years ago, picked up his identity, was fighting him under his fucking name. Oh, it's fucking it's incredible! I was like, what the fuck? So I so you can see that type of shit uh, certainly happens. So keep your eyes out and so far maybe pop her up as maybe kind of like you know Ferrara soul maker or something like that. You never know. Oh my god, there you go. Then literally in action, everybody, they're building the records by just fighting each other and they're getting wins against this debutant. So they're coming in to the bigger fights, quote unquote, with, with a winning, you know, off the back of a win. It is it's just it's dodgy as hell. There you go. We need to get the WBA involved. They're missing out on some sanctioning free action here. I'm right. Mayweather. I'm <laughs> undefeated and I want the next big fight I have to be with Canelo. Give it to me. I'm Floyd. All right, Gabe, thanks very much, Gabe. <laughs> Mate, Gabe's shouting at the McDonald's guy through the window there. Uh, Ozzy's joined us. Welcome to you, Ozzy. John Doe threw in the chat a few minutes ago. Can you bring up all the bot accounts on the Canelo videos saying DAZN is such a great deal? They were literally copy and pasted comments in their hundreds. Well, we know all about this, don't we? This has been done before. Uh, under Connor Ben, there was all these different accounts saying exactly the same thing, word for word, out for my dad's birthday, I think it was. Can't wait to get back and watch the Connor Ben fight. Brian King bought about seven of them up all in a row under different names. We know they do this all the time. We need to get some Boxing Asylum bots maybe on the case. Ozzy, forget about all that type of stuff. We spoke to John Ryder at the top of the show. Thanks for putting him in touch with us. Also, Canelo against Jacobs. That was the big fight from the weekend, Ozzy. How did you score it? Do you think it was a fair result? And where did both guys go from here? Uh, I scored it 116, 112. 
I thought it was a more than fair result. Uh, Jacob started slow and it ultimately cost him uh, in the fight. However, I thought I was very impressed with Canelo. I thought he, the way he evaded punches was excellent. And I, I, I mean, I'm seeing people, you know, like the uh, the zone and uh, well, from the matchroom side, uh, oh, well, a, a rematch is warranted, in my opinion, not interested. And from that perspective, I certainly don't think Jacobs is done at the top level. However, when he's fought Gennady Golovkin and Canelo, he's fallen short. For Canelo now, it's interesting really because apparently a third uh, Golovkin fight is done for later in the year. However, I'll only see that when it happens. And from that perspective, I'm seeing people like, you know, always interested to come to the UK and fight Callum Smith in the UK. Callum Smith needs to sell out the Echo Arena before he even talks about Wembley from in that uh, perspective. But Canelo lives on to be one of the biggest names in boxing. A, a, a legit victory. I have no qualms about the result last night. I thought it was more than fair. I think we all said on the pod last uh, last weekend, a 116-112 was a card that we get. I think we got a 116-112. There was a 115-113 as well. So, in my opinion, more than fair. And Canelo will go on. Who against? I'm not sure. For Jacobs. I don't know, really. It's interesting. I mean, you're talking. They, they didn't mention about Eddie Herman saying about Demetrius Andrade will beat uh, Canelo. In my opinion, I wouldn't mind. Well, why not match Jacobs and Andrade for that fight? Why not? Unless they're just literally, you know, like they're feeding people to Canelo or something like that from a fight perspective. But otherwise, I'd happily see Jacobs and Andrade or something like that. Otherwise, for Canelo, I mean, I mean, they're talking about essentially. To fight Callum Smith, it will be going up in weight. Uh, I'd still like to see the Billy Joe Saunders fight. I think Billy Joe would certainly ask different questions and things like that. But I don't know. But I wouldn't. I, I don't know who we're going to see Canelo against. Likewise, I don't know who we'll see Jacobs against. What type of questions would Saunders be asking Canelo? That's the thing, isn't it? Uh, where'd you get your gear from? <laughs> uh, people are trying to guess. Um... Where Ozzy is, a few people, Ozzy, have said that you may be in a washing machine, uh, locked in Joe Gallagher's basement, uh, Adam Smith's cellar, uh, what else have they said here, uh, Ozzy in the gimp box, uh, there you go, in the shower, who are you, Oz? Oh, I'm a bit echoey. well, I'm currently at Chorley Cricket Club, uh, we've just had a double at T20, so I've just come into one of the back rooms, so it might be why I'm a bit echoey, but I've just moved, so it shouldn't be as bad now. But uh, we've got a live band on, so I'm trying to keep out the way before all the uh, music takes over. John Doe says that's not Aussie, it's a matchroom bot. <laughs> I'm definitely not a fucking matchroom bot. Aussie 436578. That's for fucking cool. <laughs> there you go, everybody. The Dedication. Aussie. Somebody will be calling me a Dave Allen cheerleader or a Rhino or something like that. So, <laughs> like I said, I may have had a few stellars, but I'm definitely not any of those fucking things. Put that down for the time timestamp there. Ozzy's mentioned Dave Allen. I got that for the timestamp. Someone abused me in the uh, comments actually going saying I need to stop wasting time on Dave Allen, which, to be fair, I completely agree with that. <laughs> when it's, it, I just get infuriated when I see people praise him for like the wrong reasons and stuff like that. So I saw someone praising him because he had he didn't have designer joggers on during the week. 
I'm thinking, fuck me. <laughs> what sort of a comment is that? Phrasing because he doesn't have like Armani joggers on or something. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Does that make you want to lick his arse next time if you're praising him for the fucking clothes he wears? <laughs> Ozzy, just in case we lose you, but thanks for coming on. We do appreciate it. Yeah. There's a show next Friday night in Nottingham Arena. Next Gen, Jordan Gill, Lee Woods, uh, Terry Harper. Any mm. value on that? Uh, Lee Woods got Ryan Doyle, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, again, I'll happily all aboard the Ryan Doyle train. Um, Jordan Gill was just a bit too cute for him. However, we saw Ryan Doyle against Reese Bellotti. And Doyle was more than capable. Doyle's had good notice for this as well, and he's enjoying his boxing at the moment. There's no shame in losing to Jordan Gill. He's he's clearly a talented fighter. Um, so I'll happily take that. I've no doubt that Gill, um, sorry, Doyle is um, Lee Wood's biggest test, and in my opinion, it's a more than winnable fight without a doubt. Uh, Jordan Gill, I've been a bit disappointed to be honest since he beat. Um, Ryan Doyle. He's he's taken. I mean, he, he fought the he fought a bit of an unknown foreigner l- last time, and again, this opponent's a bit underwhelming. Uh, I think he's mandatory for the British title now against Ryan Walsh. That's mm-hmm. a great fight. That that is a really good fight, and one that I really hope is made because that's tremendous. That's a genuine fifty fifty. Ryan Walsh is more than proven at British level. To be honest, he, he's a more than capable European level fighter as well, and. Gill has got all the skills to be, you know, pushing towards the top level. Uh, Terry Harper, she has bags of talent, but it's, it's, I, I don't know anything about female boxing. There's just the opponents are plucked from obscurity. I mean, we've seen the people like Shannon Courtney's been in, and it's like they've just been pulled from like, you know, a local boozer in like Nottingham or something like that. You don't know where they're pulled from. Uh, but no, it's what we're seeing now, though, is more that. Like, these next-gen shows that should have been what once, twice a year are more becoming, I know it's on a Friday, but becoming the main Sky shows. And it's a bit disappointing from that perspective. However, uh, Wood Doyle are certainly a fight to tune into. And I'll be looking forward to seeing the bookies' odds on that because if Doyle's certainly over even money, I'll, be, uh, I'll definitely be taking him at that price because we've seen Ryan Doyle prove the upset once. There's no reason why he can't do it again. Ozzy, stick with us for as long as you can. Thanks for making the effort, uh, taking the effort to join us. Uh, episode 321 of the Boxing Asylum Notes podcast, everybody. Ozzy's there. Also, wrapping up, Kelly's on with us as well. So is Andy Patterson. Gabe's away. He said he's got to go and take care of a bit of business. So uh, any ideas in the chat what that what that might be? Let me know. Take care of a bit of business, says Gabe. He might be back later. Who knows? Maybe have to clean things up first. A few questions as well coming in. We'll get to them. Andy, uh, show next weekend, May the 11th, over in the Convention Centre in Tucson, Arizona. Francisco Vargas against Mr. Miguel Bichelt. Since their last fought in 2017, Bichelt has beaten Takashi Miura on points, knocked out the hapless Maxwell Awuku, knocked out the ridiculous Jonathan Victor Barros, and then he knocked out, in a fun fight, the shop-worn Miguel Roman. Now he's fighting against Vargas. Why do I feel underwhelmed by this, Andy? It feels like Groundhog Day, as if Bichelt's just ticking along at the moment. I want to see him in... Bigger fights, and I, I get the feeling like Vargas is finished. Am I am I being yeah, harsh? No, no, I agree with you, mate. I mean, he kind of felt that after the after the the last fight. Actually, I mean, there was just there was cuts and blood and oh, crazy. I mean, there was like head butts and everything in the last fight. It was a really good fight. I mean, we've got to admit that, but um, uh, it's just one of these fights. I know what you mean. It's just like uh, 
it's like a filler fight, you eat, isn't it? It's just like something, you know. Ah, it's just what it is. It's a filler fight, really, because you know he's he's come back. I remember was that they know have Stephen Smith's ear hanging off as well, Fargas. In the yes, last he did. Fight. Yes, yes. And then he beat um, who was that guy that Garcia absolutely obliterated with a left hook, punched him in the neck. Remember, almost took his head off. Oh, uh, you talking Salka. about yeah, Rod Salka, Rod Salka, Rod, Rod Salka. So that's just been his level of position. He must be well in his thirties now. So. You say Burchell as well as he's just kind of meandering along, probably against. I mean, I can understand him having to have kind of semi easy fights after, like, obviously the Vargas fights. I say it's bloody messy, and then he had the, the, the tough war against Takahashi Maura. But you say, you know, he's had the, you know, the kind of gimme fights, the kind of tick over fights now over the course of the last year. So, this doesn't kind of bode well for the, for the year going in and stuff like that. But, but, Top rank, to be honest, this year have been pretty poor. You know, okay, the the match of fighters when they have to and stuff, but they you know they get the right fights at the right time, getting the paydays I suppose at the right time as well. But this is no, this is no float my boat. You know, I I'm agreeing with you. It's no hating on the fight. I dare say it might turn into something decent, but that purely depends on what Vargas has got left, surely. And I don't think at this point he has got much left. So I know he's done enough to kind of maintain his status as a as a top contender. But if you go through the rankings, that I think. You know, Roman still ranked in the top ten, which is diabolical. Jason Souza still in there, I believe, is uh, also so. Um, yeah, it's, it's another fighter, I suppose, as well. You want to see getting a move on because there's good fights to be made there. Davis, Farmer. Um, so, mm, yeah, I don't know. Might, might be a unif- they'll probably unify, look to unify with the Japanese guy, won't they? Ito, the dub because well, he's also signed by top rank. I was just going to say that because I was looking at Farmer and Davis and I'm sitting myself there with fucking... Yeah. You know, it's a political... Again, it's, it's like it's like going back to the day when PBC started up and that, you know, you were thinking about... You are trying you want fights to get made but you had to think about the political aspect. Who was with who? Who was about promoting that? And that's what you have to do this time but three times over? I don't know, man. Uh, remember that Andrews... His name Andrew Sinso. Andrew Cancio, well, yeah, he, can't. he he upset um, he upset what he called him in Machado. I think they're fighting a rematch, but I think Machado has been pretty much found out now because you're not going to toughen up your body that much. Cancio hammered him. He did. He destroyed them. What I was going to say is, you know, my well, next question was going to be, who's he with? Promotional wise, could that fight get made? I'd, oh well, def- oh, well, I don't know if Cancio has now been signed by Golden Boy or whatever, but he was a blue, you know, he's the type oh, of guy they probably could have picked right. up. Yeah. Well, Golden Boy, no do any fucking favour for, for top rank and that to try and get but Chalk's leg over, I suppose. But uh, I just pulled up the WBC rankings there for Super Featherweight, right? You've got Francisco Vargas, Enardo Hernandez, Joseph Judo Diaz, Miguel Roman, Jason Souza, Thomas Rojas for Christ's sake, Johnny Gonzalez is still in the top ten. My God, really? I'm telling you, top. He's not ranked number nine, actually. Johnny Gonzalez. He must have like seventy fights. I think he fought recently there as well. Oh my God, that's that's the WBC rankings for you. Uh, Isaac Dogbo as well, Andy. Do you think uh, we didn't expect him to lose to Navarrete? That was a bit of an uh, upset of all. By all accounts, Dogbo seemed to be on the upward trajectory. Navarrete did a good boxing job on him. If, if Dogbo's learned his lessons, you'd imagine that he'd probably get the win. But maybe we were sleeping on Navarrete, who's decent. Yeah, I think we. T- I was definitely on the, on the dog boat train, still am, but mm-hmm. I, I, you say, unless he, he drastically changes up you know, what he was doing in the, uh, compared to the, uh, the first fight and that, um, that's a tough one. You know, I thought it was cautious on the cards and stuff, but I thought you know, Navarrete was more than a worthy winner. Um, did, you know, he looked heavier in the exchanges and that as well, gave dog boy he could handle, and I just thought dog boy was struggling at times with that. So, 
even though he, he kind of remained competitive throughout the fight, mm, unless he changes things up, I could probably see the same the same uh, result here. Actually, maybe another close points victory. Rob, word from you on these ones, Navret Dogbo rematch and also Vargas Bichelt. Bichelt's had his injury problems, but he needs to go on past these opponents now. Yeah, Vargas will hang in there, we know. I think there might be too many miles on the clock there. Um, he's taken a lot of punishment and been in a lot of hard fights. So, um, in terms of Navarrete, I think he outfought him in the spots that he had to outfight him in and then boxed him for the rest of the fight so yeah it's like if the, if Dogbo was able to make him do something different maybe but it just looked like even in the exchanges last time maybe Navarrete had his number so I'd maybe say he was this clearer this time um, yeah but Burchell that not get out of here like I'm not he's dog shit like he's not he's not an elite uh, world champion by any means like there's other fights that, that could get made there um, just a word on Tevin Farmer how active is he? Like he's getting ready for another fight, isn't he? I think he's he has his next fight made. So, mm. um, good luck to him. In. I like Tevin. Yeah. You know, I like yeah. him. Therefore, he's come back from getting shot in the hand to winning a world title. Um, you know, contentious decision against him in the first place. Then the decision gets overturned in all contests. And since then, he's just been on this winning streak where he's out every two or three months, um, clocking up the numbers. So good on him. Yep, good on him. We've lost Ozzy, but we've gained Gabe, so a good exchange there. Uh, I was going to ask Ozzy actually about a Steve Woodshaw. I'll just mention it anyway, uh, but we'll not talk about it. Reese Cartwright, English title against Jack Cullen, Jack Flatley against Craig Morris, and also former guest, uh, super welterweight, 10 and no James Moorcroft is in action, so good luck. That's a Steve Woodshaw. Steve comes on the pod from time to time, always Good luck with those type of things. I'm not here next week, actually, so we're going to have a guest uh, host. I'm not really sure who it's going to be, to be honest. Maybe the, I think the Americans are going to jump in. Uh, Dave and Gabe, double combination to to hit you with next Sunday evening on, on May the 12th. So there you go. Something to look forward to. Before we go on to the heavyweights, Andy, let's talk about the the main card for next week, I think, in Virginia. Jared Heard, we mentioned it earlier. The chat were getting pumped up. IBF titles on the line. IBO as well, which I'm always happy about. WBA super world, super welterweight title. Put that bullshit to one side. 23-0, Jared Heard going in against Julian J. Rock Williams, 26-1-1. His big fight to date, Andy, uh, Williams was against Charlo. And he got knocked out. Uh, he, he doesn't look as small, unless he was wearing high heels at the press conference, uh, than I thought he would against Hurd. But you're going to struggle against a guy like that, Andy. He's a monster, isn't he, Hurd? He just keeps rumbling forward. He's so tall. He's so physically strong for the weight. Williams, I think, will give a good account of himself. But he's, he's going to struggle with Hurd's physical advantages. Yeah, I believe so, mate. Um... I, th- I think it will be a good fight. You know, Julian Williams does. You know, you know, he does come to fight, but um, maybe slightly kind of vulnerable running with the whiskers and that. I think he probably have success early doors in the fight. Um, again, it depends how hard it is after surgery and stuff. Obviously, he didn't look great in the early openings against Wellborn, um, and then decided just to get serious with him and, and stop the fight. But maybe different this time around about actually because you know Williams is he's, he's a decent operator, but um, as you say, I think hard. Considering he's, I think he's got something like five inches in reach and about four inches in height on the guy, and that I think you know once he gets into the fourth and fifth, gets a full head up of speed, and that he would just start kind of laying it on Williams and that. But we said it before as well, you know. Well, two issues that I've got really is one is how long can he keep making the weight, and two really is you know considering that the his style of fighting and stuff it doesn't really matter if he's fighting smaller guys and that, but the way he fights and the punishment he takes and that, I you know, I really do expect his prime to be very very short lived. So, uh, again, 
I don't know what he's going to be doing after his fight and that, but um, I like to see him kind of test himself up at, up at middleweight because I think we're going to need some sort of challengers and that as well, especially you know, as, as Rob says at the start of the show and that he doesn't really see anybody kind of like beating Canelo at this point and that. But, so you want to see fresh faces coming in and uh, hard, you know, considering his size advantages and that might just give Canelo, you know, more and more of what he can handle. But at this point in time, um, you know, it's, it's it's a really good fight at this point. So um, yeah, I think he, he'll probably stop him. I'm going to go for a little bit of tenth or eleventh round for Jarrett Hurd. Gabe, the Jamal Charlo Julian Williams fight was way back in 2016. He hasn't been super active, Williams, since then. He's wheeled off four wins against uh, lackluster opposi- opposition, really. Nathaniel Gallimore was decent, but not great. Ishay Smith, uh, a wearied, weathered uh, veteran by this point. Will this fight tell us a lot about Williams uh, going forward, Gabe? Whether he's going to be able to step up to elite level or whether, you know, you know he's just going to be a contender? I, I don't think so. I think he – pardon me. Sorry, I had to go on a little coughing spell there. Uh, I don't think it's going to tell us anything because I think we already kind of have a feel for who Julian Williams is. Uh, he's a solid contender. He's a guy that can possibly win a title uh, depending on – you know, several circumstances, uh, right opponent, right belt coming open at the right time, uh, several things like that. You know, he's, he, he's a solid fighter, uh, but he's not in a category like the top names of the division. And I think, at least to me, that seems like it's been pretty clear for a little while now. Uh, you know, there's still uh, opportunities for him to kind of change things up and turn things around and to prove himself to be that level. Uh, but I just don't really feel like at this stage, uh, considering his age, how many fights he's had and all those kind of things, that he's really going to do a whole lot to surprise anyone. So I feel like from this point, we already kind of know who he is. We know what he's about. We know uh, what he's proven himself capable of in the past. And I really, uh, I feel like the ceiling's already been hit. Um, of course, there is, like I said, that 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 small chance that he could rise above what we've seen him do. He could prove himself uh, worthy of being a top name in the division. As of now, though, he's a guy that's going to give your top-notch guys possibly a tough evening. Uh, he's going to be a solid guy that will tell you anybody that's coming up where they stand. And he's going to, in general, provide a decent value undercard slot on, on a set of, of, of fights. So to me, I feel like it's already there. You know, we kind of know what to expect from him. We kind of know what he's going to do. We kind of have seen him before. Uh, and then we've seen people like him in the past. So to me, I think he, he's where he's going to be, and that's as far as it's going to go. Oh man, the chat! <laughs> Gabe, the chat were positing as to why you were out of breath there. Dave Trick says Gabe is knuckle deep on a ranch hand right now. <laughs> no, I'm trying not to close my fucking mouth. Knuckle deep on a ranch hand. Friggin' hell, there you go. That's, that's um, another one for the time. That, that was actually pretty good, but 
But no, I, I I have a pretty good sinus infection. I can't fucking breathe. And uh, anytime I do breathe, I feel like I'm going to cough up a fucking lung. So so despite that, that actually well-placed, well-thought-out theory, uh, no, I'm actually not. Right well, Turbo, to- Turbo Tommy, Rob says one hour, 29 minutes in. Uh, Gabe is five yeah. inches deep in a Yankee candle. This is it. I mean, the timestamps are writing themselves this evening, guys. <laughs> You're going to know what to look for. On Monday morning, fucking hell. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Rob, this fight, as Andy has just reminded me, is actually on ITV, so we'll be able to see it. Jared Hurd, uh, Julian Williams. All right, good stuff. Yeah, I think um, Hurd should probably get to Williams before eight rounds and um, stop him after catching him with some thudding shots. I do think Hurd would present something new um, at middleweight because it's only a matter of time before he moves up, but. I think Canelo would beat Jared Hurd like a heavy bag. I really do. Like from what I've seen of him so far, I know he's good, but I just think um, Canelo's not a small middleweight by any stretch, and I don't think I don't see the size being a, as big a factor. And I think as, as much as cliched as I hate, you know, every commentator says about uh, Andre Ward or Floyd Mayweather. They say he downloads Lomachenko's new one. He downloads the data. He scans the opposition as if he's the fucking Terminator or something. The old-fashioned way is to say he had a look, and I think Canelo has a look at people for a couple of rounds and then figures them out. He's got, he's, he's, um, he doesn't get enough credit for downloading the data. Yeah, sidebar. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> That's all right. Timestamp that one. Timestamp that one, everybody. They'll, they'll want to be going to that type of uh, analysis from Rob. Rob's right, though. Yeah, the guys, they have a look, don't they? The best fighters in the first couple of rounds. See where you're moving, uh, where your head's going, where your feet are doing, what you do after you throw a punch, and then they adjust accordingly. It's a fancy way, as Rob says, of just saying of just saying that, you know, downloading the data and digitising it, bringing it up to date, I suppose. Anyway, Andy, enough of all that nonsense. It uh, wouldn't be a week without a bit of AJ talk. Let's hit you with a question from Greg Cross before we move on to Bellew of the Week. Uh, Greg Cross, Mr. Boxing Casual, Andy said, with Shelley Finkel's recent comments of, we have plans, Joshua next year, and Wilder, I don't want to disrupt our plans, Ortiz rematch, and then Adam Kovnacki, is Wilder ducking, says Greg Cross. Does Al Heyman have a master plan? What the fuck's going on, Andy, with the heavyweight situation? Greg Cross is our AJ fan, so I'm not going to bother answering his question. The end of the fucking day is this. Heavy, <laughs> he, uh, yes, I, I remember this guy. He's constantly fucking defending Femi for even back when Femi initially ducked Wilder the fucking first time. Right? And he's downloading the data. Exactly. So now, 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 now he's fucking reversed. Now they're all like, oh, let's fucking pile in on fucking Wilder and that. End of the fucking day. They've all ducked each other, right? Fury's ducked the fucking Wilder rematch, you could potentially say. Right, he didn't want to get underpaid for the Joshua rematch because Eddie Hearn had, uh, had initially said it was fucking 50 50. Joshua is fighting fucking a guy who basically trains on fucking cheeseburgers, right? Doesn't he, doesn't he know what steroids is? Doesn't he know what diuretics are, right? <laughs> right? So, who gives a fuck about who's ducking who and who's right? end of the day? The heavyweight division is out of order, nobody gives a fuck about it unless Joshua's fighting Fury or Joshua's fighting Wilder or Wilder's fighting Fury or Fury's fighting fucking Joshua. Nobody fucking cares about it. So, guess what? I don't give a fuck about <laughs> who is ducking who at this fucking point because I don't care about it. Because you are a Joshua fan, right? 
and I don't fucking, I don't like speaking to you. He's a fucking pain in the hole. He's <laughs> waiting all this fucking time. You've waited fucking 12 months to get your chance to come back and say, oh, he's fucking ducking, he's fucking ducking. End of the fucking day, your guy has ducked. Good <laughs> Rob just fucking pushed himself here. Your guy has you know, fucking fed you know the right people. reminds me so much of the, of the classic Bell you interview about the carrot and the fart. Like the fucking carrot. Greg Cross is using me as a, Andy as a medium to get to you. Well, Greg Cross sends me on fucking Twitter and he can fucking message me anytime. And the fuck, uh, I, think it's, I didn't like talking to him as I said because he's constantly on the fucking uh, Femi <laughs> defence, constantly. And even when he was fucking proven, they'd fucking be fucking, you know, ducking that $50 million that didn't exist, right? So he's another one who fucking hangs on to Eddie Hearn's words, right? Okay, listen to the fucking podcast. I really don't give a fuck about the heavyweight division. I've got a couple of fighters who are prospects I'm keeping my eye on coming up. <laughs> Unless I get the three big guys fighting each other, guess what? I don't give a fuck about who's ducking who and who's fucking getting more money, who's fucking promoter you fancy the best and who, which one you want to shag the fucking best as well. I don't fucking care. There you go, Greg. There's your answer. Rob, quick word from you. Just bring you in, though, off the back of a Joseph Ajayo, THD, PhD <laughs> comment. Uh, Joseph says, the boxing boards of control are not representing boxing and boxers' interests. They are money mongers who does not care if boxers die in the ring or not. If Jarrell Miller was not busted, he would have celebrated his victory. Not over Anthony Joshua. God forbids. Well, I hate to say it's Dr. Joseph Ajayo may have a point. Um, I think um, Andy Lee made a good point on Off the Brawl when he was talking about promoters having to take more responsibility for this shit because the sanctioning bodies are not going to do it they're losing out on too much money so the promoters can all get up on their moral high ground and say oh this fighter's got busted my poor guy but you're representing a stable full of guys who got busted so if you're really anti-doping don't promote the guy anymore. Drop him. Put it in his contract that if he gets caught open and it's a serious offence, he's out. If you're really serious about it and if all the promoters did that, then that might take a, a, a little bit of a step forward towards eradicating it. Like, So Dr. Joseph Ajayo is onto something. That's why he's got a THD, PhD, everybody. Gabe, anything from you to add to this heavyweight situation? Heavyweight opinions from the Texas Tornado. Come on. No, I'm about the same as Andy. I mean, I really don't give a fuck unless we see the top guys fighting the top guys. To me, there's no point in anything else happening. Uh, you know, I already went on my rant last week whenever we were discussing. Uh, fuck, I don't remember who it was we were discussing, but how the sanctioning bodies are fucking responsible for all kinds of bullshit. Uh, terms of in terms of you know well deserving guys not getting their shots and fucking bums getting their shots and uh, you know. I've already made my, my thoughts known about all that bullshit, but in, in terms of directly re responding to that question, fuck the heavyweight division right now. They're all going to, they're all going to play tiddlywinks and fucking jerk everyone off. Then they can go do it somewhere else. Cause I ain't fucking playing that game. You know, I, I don't want any part of it. I, I'm just simply not going to be concerned with anything until they make the fights that need to be made. Um, I mean, that's kind of a shitty attitude to have about it, you know, um, considering some of the stuff that we see going on, not just in that division, but in all divisions across the fucking board. Um, really, you want to know why a guy like Andy, who, who's a, a knowledgeable, uh, you know, boxing fan, 
is is a big fan of the Japanese scene. Um, why he kind of you know at his discussions kind of got me interested into some of those guys. Um, why some people prefer certain scenes over others is is because of the exact thing we're talking about. You know, you look over there at the Japanese scene, and and they're fight they're fighting, you know, top caliber fighters uh, early on in their careers, taking losses, not giving a fuck. You see these guys out there really, you know, putting their balls on the line to have to have big fights. Um, I, in the past, you know, you may have heard me be a anti Canelo fan. Um, I mean, not anymore. What what else do you need from the guy? He's he's last few years. I think Rob already brought it up since since what Gomez he's fought nothing but top rated guys. I mean, consistently across the board. I mean, how the fuck do you get any better than that? You know, you 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 put your balls on the line out there, and that's what fighters used to do. And I think that's what a lot of us um, miss about the you know we without going too retro and talking about the old days bullshit. You know what happened to the guys that put their balls on the line and just fucking went for it? You know, if you if you are that fucking confident in what you do, go put it on the line, take a pay cut. You know, I'm not saying take 500 grand whenever you're worth 12 million, but take a fucking pay cut. Go make the fight happen. Win your fucking belts and then go fucking defend them and, and make, you know, double that every fight you have after that. You know, I mean, there's a possibility for everyone to to make their money and uh, keep more money rolling in. But the reason that fucking we're in the state that we're in now and it all goes back to fucking years ago was because they quit doing that shit, you know, and then it kind of got a little bit better. Now it's kind of falling off the fucking map with the 27 different goddamn streaming platforms and the 37 different goddamn TV channels, and you can't keep up with shit anymore. You know, it drives a man crazy trying to watch every fucking fight and every card that comes on sometimes. So, you know, my thoughts on it are, if they're not giving me what I want to see, then I'm going to fucking tune in somebody else. And uh, for me, I've always been a fan of the lower weight classes. Uh, I said it a million and a half times. Victor Chin is one of my favorite fighters. I mean, I love watching that son of a bitch fight uh, when he was primed up. You know, I've always been a fan of those lower weight classes. And the reason I watch them is because maybe there's not a lot of, of stiff competition stacked in a division. But those guys are fucking fighting and they're fun to watch. And now we got to sit up here with the heavyweights. These guys are supposed to be the kings of the fucking world. And they're fighting trash fights in the meantime, you know, taking two, three, four, five fights before they fucking fight somebody meaningful, you know? And I know part of that's been in the past that there hasn't been a stacked division, but there's no reason right now for these guys not to be facing each other. Uh, so I'm right there with Andy. Fuck those guys. I mean, I, I'll find something else to watch that's much more entertaining than that. And it's baseball season. Well said, Gabe. Don't bring that shit to my door, he says. 100% getting on board with that sentiment. Uh, question for the end of the show. We're going to be wrapping up soon, going on to belly of the week. Sir. So, Chat Staple, Editing King, I haven't seen him tonight actually, threw in a question uh, about the worst world champion in boxing at the moment. So we'll hit that at the end of the show. The worst world champion, if you're in the chat or on the panel or anybody, have a good think about that. We might go through the divisions, depending on how much time we've got, and, and uh, rat some people out. But there you go, worst world champion, we'll get onto that at the end of the show. If anybody has any value of the weeks in the chat or on the panel, then throw them in at some point, I will invite you in. Let's get started off, first of all, this week with one from Boxing Brave. Uh, Dave Ke uh, Dave Allen, in fact, was talking to IFL TV. I'm two wins away from Anthony Joshua. Uh, David, Pro oh, this is David Price. Sorry, David Price was talking about the Dave Allen clash and the shocking Joel Miller scandal. And Dave Price said, "I'm two wins away from Anthony Joshua." So there you go. Uh, Dominic Henry, Belly of the Week nomination for Spencer X, who was declared 
Shock horror that Anthony Yard stops Kovalev. So there you go. That's Spencer X. Uh, but this is this is going to be a good one. Uh, Zekonomics has nominated Adam Smith for simpering along with Barry Hearn's racist end of the pier comedy act like a cowardly little weasel for Bellew of the Week. Awkward position for Dillian White. But Smith is basically Hearn's boss, the shite bag that he is. I would agree, Zeko, but you couldn't really see Adam Smith starting to call Barry Hearn out at the top table, although that would have been funny, wouldn't it? Yeah, Barry Hearn no doubt will appear during this Bellew of the Week segment at some point. Uh, White versus Rivas is a pay-per-view, says Chris Andre. Don't worry, Barry, you'll get your wish. I won't be watching. And then Paul Warren jumped in. This is below a Barry Hearn comment thread. It's beyond me that people don't get. You get a full card of about eight fights for pay-per-view, not just one. I remember people moaning about the White Parker being pay-per-view, but it turned out to be one of the best pay-per-view nights we've had for a long time in the UK. So there you go. Ian Morton has nominated Paul Warren. Uh, lead right, uh, path to four-weight world champion, Hashtag dream it, believe it, come it. What is Lead Wright talking about? Well, he's talking about Dave Allen. Danny Robson nominated this one. Apparently, people were putting on bets about Dave Allen becoming a four-weight world champion. Lead Wright said he could KO Price. He could beat Pulev. He could beat Wilder. Then he could beat Joshua. I think he was trolling, wasn't he, surely, with that one? Uh, Marcus Bellinger has nominated Dillian White for ducking questions and getting completely the wrong end of the stick while being interviewed by Mike Costello on the BBC. Also, Matthew Pratt has nominated Dan Kerry, another one, Daniel Kerry, getting stuck in on this Dave Allen thing. Uh, he put in 100 to 1 for Dave Allen to hold all four world titles at once, WBA, WBC, WBO and IBF, before the 1st of January 2021, 100 to 1 for Dave Allen to hold all four belts. Is this worth a 10 spot, says Dan Kerry. You might as well wipe your hole on that 10 spot, Dan, and flush it down the toilet. Uh, moving on, everybody. NBT Boxing, Barry Hearn, nominated by Ben Thorns. Yeah, Barry Hearn. He's had a bit of a nightmare, Andy, this week, talking about slave masters and goodness knows what else at this press conference to announce the White Rivas fight. Uh, I think Barry has a couple of drops, doesn't he, and gets on the stage and just lets loose. Uh, yeah, I don't know what his particular tipple is, actually, but um, as Tyson Fury says and that, you know, put Stella down and uh, get back in your box because... He's just basically undoing all the good work that Eddie Hens well aye, good work that Eddie Hens done, I suppose. You know that's a, look, I've I've seen I've seen people actually try and defend what he said and that. Okay, I I really don't know where it sits at all, actually, but I just think you know, choose your words a wee bit fucking wee bit differently. It's a bit like along the I remember some, some comment getting made um about the NFL. Remember all the NFL players were like taking knees and that about the, the brutality of the police force against black people and stuff. And one of the NFL owners basically stepped up and said that you know, like we've got to get a, got to get a grip on this because we can't allow like so the what was it the inmates to take over the asylum so to speak, mm. you know. So basically, kind of like calling like the, his own players basically fucking prisoners basically, you know. It's just you know he could use his words slightly differently, I suppose, and that you know. I suppose you know there wouldn't have been any if if White had been white, obviously then there wouldn't have been a matter said or anything with the fucking razor eyebrow because it's white privilege at the end of the day, you know, but. Dillian's, Dillian's for Jamaican background. He's a black man, so you uh, can't be seeing shit like that, man. Nomination for Barry Hearn, then, on the back of that one. Stephen Lewis has been nominated by John Swan. Stephen Lewis got the wrong end of the stick when they were talking about Dave Allen against David Price and Dillian White against Oscar Rivas. He seemed to think, did Stephen Lewis, that White was actually fighting Price. So he did a little analysis on how the fight will play out. I really like Dillian White, but Price has been around the block. If he feels White's power early, he isn't just going to go in and have a slugfest. 
think this may be slightly too early for White, but could completely end price. I hope White does the business, though, says Stephen. No, <laughs> White's fighting Rebus and Price is fighting Alan, Stephen, okay? See, to be honest, I, 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 I heard Bunce mention comments on this fight, actually. Uh, I was kind of saying, Magrimium, that it is a risk to, to a point because, you know, say he does get beat. He's fucking lost his monetary position, I would, I would think. Would they not? He has, but shout out as well, Andy, to uh, Men's Luxury Fitness, who often texts me from time to time. He said, people are moaning about Dillian White. He's made a lot of money saying, oh, why hasn't he got a world title fight yet? Why hasn't he got a world title fight? He's been waiting around for years. It's not It's not supposed to be easy to get these shots, especially at the heavyweight world title. You know, you, you maybe have to wait around a couple of years. It's the heavyweight world title. Mate, years and decades and fucking yesteryear ago, mate, you waited and you bided your time and you say, as you say, you waited years to get your shot. When there's only one title and one champion and, you know, put it this way, if Dylan White had fought back in the 40s and 50s, he wasn't getting a fucking shot because he was black, period. Simple as that. But, uh, no, you know, people will say is that um, he's more deserving of a shot. We've, meant, we've even agreed in this podcast that you know, he's probably one of the more deserving heavyweight contenders. But, um, you know, this is boxing in the day. It's, it's not a sport. It's a fucking business. What what you think you deserve, you don't get. You only get what you negotiate. In the day as well as you know, you've got to look at your own promoter. And deep down, you know, you've ducked eliminators. You, you know, you could have had the pull fight. You could have become IBF mandatory. I think at this point, you've had the offer for Joshua. You know, you've said it's been like slave money and stuff like. That. Hence, these might why Barry Hems came out with that comment, I suppose. But. He's had opportunities, but he's decided to go his own route. I can't blame him for that. He's wanting to be independent. He's still getting paid, but you know, it's still a risk at the same time as well. But I, I still, I, I don't think he's. I think Rivas will bring it, but I just don't think he's got the size to really kind of cause quite much problems. But you know, we'll wait and see. We will indeed, yeah. Rivas, for his credit, he will bring it. He bought it against Bryant Jennings, but you're putting a guy on headlining pay-per-view most people hadn't even heard of. I'd just seen him on BoxRec before he fought Jennings and just saw that he was building up a nice record in Canada. Did, didn't know anything about him, but there you go. That's the nature of the beast. MB in the chat is asking me about Jonathan Banks. Well, we're coming to him shortly because he's on the it's on the belly of the week list, MB, so we'll get to that. Don't worry. Uh, Gavin Stevens has nominated Javonta Davis. Davis is trying to downplay Lomachenko's achievements, as usual, as well he might. Uh, Lee has nominated Joe Joyce. I could have waited until the big fight night on July the 13th, but I just wanted to keep busy. I didn't want a journeyman, so we have chosen a six-foot-eight-inch giant <laughs> and former world title challenger Alexander Ustinov, who's only lost three times. He is big, awkward, and he can punch. Also, Andy, the funny thing about that is yeah. they brought up his yes. manager, yes. Sam Jones. I haven't got it screenshotted, but it just came to my memory about back when... Bacoli or somebody was fighting Hunter was fighting Ustinov and and the manager of uh, Joyce was shitting on it saying he was a big useless lump. <laughs> yeah, and then he's basically been forced to come in and say, "Oh, well, it's the best opponent we could get in short notice and that." Well, don't take the fucking fight. Fight at a later date and get a better opponent. But you know how it is. You know how it is indeed. Uh, Gabe, breaking news, uh, belly of the week coming in from you. You just sent me this one, Rancis Bartholomew on his Twitter, has put rematch coming soon. This is the rematch we all want to see against Robert Easter, is it, Gabe? Belly of the Week. Well, actually, I nominated for Belly of the Week because my comment on there to him was maybe you could, you know, fight this time. <laughs> As in, you didn't fucking fight last time. Maybe you'll do it this time. Maybe there's something in the air that you'll catch that will say, huh, punches i should throw and he fucking liked it so that was that was my value of the week 
uh, because he liked the comment that was very tongue in cheek, I, I suppose. Uh, and anyone that watches that fight, you know, if, if anyone listened to me to start with that, that thought that it might be a decent fight, you're a fucking idiot because I'm a fucking idiot. That was trash last time. And, uh, yeah, I nominated it because he lacked a fucking shitty comment from me. I don't think his grasp on English is too well. Well, Gabe, Gabe, funny you should mention that, actually, because I saw Rancis turn up on Facebook recently, mate, and it was his official account making a comment, and I, and I clicked on the account, and he said that he's promoted by Warrior Boxing, but he'd actually misspelt it as Warrior, Warrior Boxing, as in being worried. So I'm sure there's plenty of concern over there every time he gets in the ring. So there you go. His grasp of English isn't the best. He's promoted by Warrior Boxing, according to him. So there you are, Gabe. A double nomination for Rancis. Yes. Thank you. Right. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya has also been nominated. Talking about Anthony Joshua, trying to big up the Anthony Joshua-Andy Ruiz fight. He looks like a freaking goddess, said uh, Oscar De La Hoya. He would know indeed. Maybe get AJ into the old fishnets. JS Park 10 has nominated Oscar for that one. This was a bizarre one. Rafe Bartholomew put it up during the week uh, before the Canelo Jacobs fight. Uh, Jeff Mayweather, friend of mine, was interviewing somebody in the Floyd Mayweather gym called Lionel Thompson. Lionel Thompson's Canelo Jacobs prediction takes one hell of a left turn. Did anybody see this? All of a sudden, Thompson basically said that one of the biggest factors, I'm paraphrasing here, in the Canelo Jacobs fight could be a Jacobs cancer diagnosis. And he seemed to like insinuate like Jacobs could, could suddenly like the cancer could return mid-round or something. <laughs> he might he might not be as strong or the, bo the bone density might give up midway during the fight. I'm sure he was doing a bad job of explaining himself, but it, it was funny. The fighter? The fighter? <laughs> I think I think so. Yeah. You can you can that bum's actually got a loss to that fucking uh, that collage gets you can go beat up Baterbeev last night. Oh, is that the same guy? I uh, fucking Kovalev knocked him out in three rounds. Oh right, there you go. Then well, he's given his prediction anyway, and he was he was trying to say that Jacob's illness might be an issue, but he he's got, <laughs> C he's got CTE, mate. Kovalev <laughs> fucked him up. Fucking oh yeah. Jesus. It, it was bad form, but there you go anyway. Uh, so, uh, talking of this then, Rob, let's get your opinion on this, actually. Declan Graffin has nominated Gennady Golovkin for saying, I would like to introduce my new coach, Jonathan Banks. I'm sure that our cooperation will lead to a good results in the near future. What, what's going on, Rob? Uh, were you as surprised as I was? Yeah, I was, definitely. I thought I would have liked to see Golovkin with Robert Garcia. Um, I think his style would, and and Garcia's culture style would have gone well together, um, with the mix of technical stuff and come forward aggression. But Jonathan Banks says like exactly, man. It's like eh. Are they thinking though? Are they thinking that he's a little bit, or is he feeling himself like he needs to, um, limit the damage? Like he has to look good. I'm I'm like I'm thinking if you're the zone, you have to kind of recreate the aura. of uh, Triple G, the knockout artist. So you roll him in with Steve Rolls and some other bum before Canelo 3 um, to get some knockouts without taking any punishment or looking bad. So maybe from a technical point of view, you know, Jonathan Banks is the king of the catch and shoot from the cronk. They're just trying to change his style a little bit. But I don't know. I, I was completely taken by surprise that Jonathan Banks was announced as, as Golovkin's trainer. I was not expecting that at all. Like, Andy, a few names yeah. were mentioned. Some people thought they might let his brother take well, a more significant role and keep it yeah. in the family. But MB said it's a cheap option. No, but I, 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 MB's comment about the cheap option about uh, Jonathan Banks, I agree with mm. me. I was listening to 
tail of the tape last week, and it was Vinnie Cummins that was mentioning it, and I agree with him, I was actually going to mention it as well as, you know, stick with the brother. I mean, because obviously the, the move was obviously to try, you know, it's, you know, it's a big payday for Golovkin, right? So, you know, it's just a bit like but Roach, uh, sorry, Paco did with Roach. You know, we make a few savings here and there. But I thought he was with his brother. I mean, to be honest, Jonathan Banks is only known as a trainer because, well, two fighters, Cecilia Bracus and Vladimir Klitschko, both of who were all champions at the time that they, that they went to Jonathan Banks. So what the fuck is he going to teach them that they don't already know? You know they're already champions and, and experienced in their own right. So what the fuck, what's Golovkin going to learn off Jonathan Banks that he couldn't, couldn't do off his brother? I mean, his brother's meant to be the better fighter of the two. He had to, the only reason he didn't turn pro was because I believe the older brother was killed and he had to then step up and be like the man in the house. Well, well Andy, tw- Andy, twist it around then. Okay, you've got experienced champions like Breakers, like Klitschko, now Golovkin have all chosen Jonathan Banks. There must be a reason they've chosen him. So what is it? Does good pad work maybe um, behind the scenes, like you say? Maybe he's a calm voice, influencing voice. Maybe Tom Loeffler, maybe Klitschko, spoken to Golovkin and put a good word in for him. Yeah, possibly. Oh, well, there you go. There's a K two connection right there, isn't it? Because yeah. obviously, you had a. I think Bracus as manager is also Tom Loeffler. So I, it would make sense then because uh, again, it's a cheap option. It keeps Banks in the picture. That, but I, I personally don't think at this point in his career, Golovkin needs a trainer. I mean, Chris, think about the amateur fights. He said, he's had like, was it three, four hundred amateur fights? It's close to 40 professional fights. What are you going to teach a guy at what, 34, 35 years of age? What are you going to teach him now? Nothing. So, uh, no, it's just, mm, no, it's, I, I agree with Robert. It's a kind of mm, type of point. I wonder, though, as well, I mentioned it earlier in the tangent that I went off about, Can- uh, about Canelo. Golovkin didn't adjust in the second fight, and Sanchez's instructions that night weren't great. I don't think he let him. Let Canelo steal the early half of the early part of the fight without really putting any urgency at the Golovkin. And if he was trying it, it wasn't they weren't gelling. So maybe they're working on technical stuff with Banks. I don't know. He is supposed to be a good coach, but again, it's like definitely wasn't. It's just like it's a curveball. But you can see the connection now played out. So probably a handy option for him. And like Andy said, like what does he need? Some subtle adjustments maybe in the next. You know, they're obviously building towards the Canelo fight with a strategy. So. You know, he doesn't need anything to, for, for Steve Rolls, that's for sure. Steve Rolls. Steve Rolls on with the belly of the weeks. Anyway, I know that much. Uh, they were saying in the chat about Abel Sanchez. Yeah, he trained Terry Norris back in the day. He, did a, he has a fine body of work with Ryan Martin, actually, as well. Remember <laughs> Ryan Martin's great performance against Josh Taylor. Yeah, Sanchez has been around for a long time. He was in the building and construction industry, I think. He made a packet in that as well, so... He's got plenty of money. He'll be all right. Uh, Smith- uh, he was fuming, by the way, because he was doing interviews to anybody that would listen to him last week. And it was like 30 minutes here. Then he got up to an hour special with fucking Radio Rahim and that, you know, show me your ream. But uh, uh, he's, he's fucking raging. Because he, he, he saw what was happening here. You know, I don't know what his, what his cut was, but it was clear enough to get him, uh, get him retired. Chuck it in a few years' time for good, you know. Yeah, if you, I know a few people on Twitter during the week were mentioning possibly Freddie Roach. That would have been the perfect uh, link-up because Golovkin's just signed a big money contract and uh, Freddie loves money. So uh, there you go. There would have been a match made in heaven, I suppose, the pair of them. Uh, yes, yeah, Smido has nominated DeZone for making a little balls up on those backing things. You know, when they interview people and they have the DeZone boards in the background, they'd put the a female fight, I think it was, I haven't exactly screenshotted it, as being for the, all the heavyweight titles. Uh, Lonesome Jones, another fuck-up from ITV Boxing. They accidentally put something about Arsenal up when they were trying to advertise the Jarrett Heard-Julian Williams fight there. Adam Abramovitz was nominated by Bolo Young. He scored the fight to Jacobs, but then 
apparently today he went back and watched it again and let us all know because we were, we were on tender hooks, you know, how he, he's rescored it now to Canelo, apparently. So similar to back in the day when Amir Khan was scoring Manny Pacquiao against Marquez and he gave it to Pacquiao. And then we gave it to Marquez, didn't he? And then he went back and had another look and changed his mind. So there you go. Hopefully that'll put your minds at rest. Uh, Slack the Planet uh, has nominated uh, DeZone again. Taylor the Tape on DeZone said that uh, Jacobs has a six-foot reach. So uh, he thought he could have got the jab off with those six-foot arms. Uh, that would make his arms roughly three inches longer than he is tall. I think so. DeZone dropping bombs. I think an another nomination for DeZone that I got as well was that the stream wasn't holding up too well. So DeZone taking L's. Hopefully they get it sorted out. Uh, Grumpy Yid has nominated Be Benjamin Eric Floyd who is talking about DeGale and Chris Eubank Jr. Andy, any other nominations from you? That's all the ones I've got at the moment. Yeah, I've got one for Eddie Hearn, basically, after last night. I think he did it on IFL, actually. It was someone in Spiddle took a screenshot of it, basically seeing uh, Andrade beats Canelo. That's uh, for Eddie Hearn. And uh, Daniel Cormier, I found his comment funny, actually. It's not really like a belly of the week, but it's meant to be a... a you know, it's a funny segment, but hmm. Daniel Cormier, who people know, I think he's the UFC heavyweight champion, I think he is, and uh, he's basically laying into Sergio Moro and Brian Kenny for last night on the zone. He says, Brian Kenny and Sergio Moro really fucking suck, man. Canelo won, but Danny fought a good fight. What the fuck? They ruined that fight. So, you know, what the zone are doing in America, Sky are doing in the UK, Daniel, so uh, didn't get too downhearted about it, mate. Um, and I think that's what I've got at the minute. Mora did respond to that. He quoted it and said, uh, thanks for watching. I think your striking sucks, so maybe I can work with you so John Jones doesn't beat your ass again. Oh, <laughs> that was totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Eddie's one was ridiculous. Like, you're not going to fucking sell us Demetrius, Boo Boo, Andrade, Eddie, all right? Relax with that, like, right? Fucking Andrade is not going to beat Canelo, okay? Give us a fucking break, will you? Like, you can't sell us that one, like, Andrade has the style to beat Canelo, does he? Fuck. Come on, like. Would you not rather see that, though, Rob, just to sort of get him out the way if Canelo's going to fight like somebody? See, I don't want to see Boo Boo Andrade on zone versus Canelo for money. You're mad. No, no way. No way. I definitely don't want to see that. He doesn't deserve it anyway. Who the f like, what? No. Road to Undisputed. Hashtag Road to Undisputed, Rob. Fuck's sake. It's trending. Oh, be food and drink. I've got another one actually. Did anybody catch uh, at G Man is back six five seven on Twitter the other day? They're doing the Tony Bellew greatest. Oh, that was an awesome body of work. Well oh, done, yeah. Well done to him. Yeah, I mentioned there for like, for that comments and that. It was fantastic. Yeah, I forgot about that. Fair play to him. That, that was brilliant. Go and go and check him out. Actually, he does some he does some excellent work in the field. Uh, Rob, any other nominations from you? Rob, sorry, any nominations to Eddie? No, but no, no, no. I'm just gonna go for Eddie this week. I was, I was gonna nominate that one as well. Like, absolutely pathetic. The minute the fight's over, trying to give us boo boo Andrade. Fuck off. <laughs> Nobody wants that work. I'm going for Lionel Thompson. I, I thought his explanation of Jay, how Jacobs might fail was quite a good one. Andy, oh, who are you going for? Oh, I've got oh, a late sorry, one. Sorry. Oh, oh, oh. Where you go, Rob? Sorry. Eddie as well for saying that Devin Haney has Mayweather potential. <laughs> Fucking hell. Devin Haney wouldn't draw flies has Mayweather potential. <laughs> Fucking hell. Eddie, Eddie Herman sell his own arse and jap side if it meant making a fucking pound note or a pound coin. You don't get pound notes anymore. But uh, no, did anybody catch Adrian Brunner on Instagram and, and on Twitter and that during the early half of the week and the club and that? 
And he's and then he gets caught flying back. Uh, oh flying yeah, back, oh, and <laughs> fucking epic, man. But I tell you what, I've been watching a few of his videos on, on Instagram and stuff like that. He's missus, and can I say something? She is absolutely fucking no happy. She's raging. She, <laughs> you see pictures with him and you know taking videos at the, the poolside and that you know clinking glasses and that and her face spells one thing and one thing only and it says Adrian Brewer, you are a fucking dickhead. That's all he was, man. Going about the nightclubs and that well, there's jewelry on he wears everything that he owns, right? There's fucking jewelry that's it's okay, he's actually in hawk, he's got to pay off his jewelry bill. He's gonna put me fucking bags of cash, like hundred grand, right? He, he gets pulled in at the fucking airport, cash taken off him, and he's still fucking flying economy class. Hey, oh, I'm still flush, brother. Are you fuck, man? I cannot wait for that. That I, I can't wait for him to fucking wash up, man. Can he fucking wait? Well, it's about, coming. About soon. Budget. It's coming soon. It's about coming. budget. <laughs> about budget. <laughs> That's what they were saying in the comments. I can't. I can't own that one. <laughs> oh man. About no, budget. I was. I was going to say as well. Late one for Fury. Fury got it bad this week. Um, I'm a big Tyson Fury fan. Everyone knows it. But when you get it bad, you get it bad. He came out obviously and and had a go at her and said, "Put him back in the cupboard with four cans of Stella." Uh, alluding to the fact that he likes to drink, like, and everyone on social media was like, "Hold on, I thought you're the yeah. you're Mister. You're Mister. You're supposed to be Mister. Uh, get back up off the deck." And you know, talk about fighters' personas with Broner, like. Everyone has a persona. Fury is is a, is a persona as well. This never give up thing, you know. I'm 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 there, the man of the people. I'm the people's champ and all. Like, come on, it's all it's all a bit. Tyson likes an earner as well, and he knows what what puts him in the public eye. He keeps him there, like so. Eventually, you're going to slip a little bit, but Andy Ruiz got him good as well when he said. He said he looks. Joshua was fighting like uh, the guy that looks like the kid from the Disney movie Up. Yeah, and and uh, Ruiz said, "I didn't think as a mental health advocate he'd make fun of my weight. I thought he'd encourage me to <laughs> something like that." So quite good. Yeah, but see, see the thing with Broner, that right? You can see people. He's in the nightclub. And he's got the bottles of Cristal or whatever it was, or Dom Perignon, and he's fucking empty out into the fucking ice bucket. And I'm watching. You see people running about in that look. I'm saying, "What the fuck are you doing?" They wouldn't have got money, and then when you kind of pay off a jewelry bill when you've fucking like 12 kids, you kind of pay maintenance bills off. Oh, honestly, fuck, man. <laughs> oh, honestly, fuck it. Yeah. Honestly, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be like one of these. It's going to see, see the day his career comes to an end, by the way. And I'm, I'm prime minister, I'm calling a fucking national emergency. I'm calling a public holiday that day, by the way. Who <laughs> are you going for then, Andy? Bruno came in, came in strong there. Like I just remember <laughs> that one. <laughs> we'll call um, it a three-way toy show. We'll call it a three-way show. Well, we'll close up then with a question from Editing King. He was asking about the worst world champion. While the guys start to think of some names, I'll go up and down fight news briefly and look at the, the list of current world champions. Heavyweight, it's a bit disingenuous because you can't really say any of them are the worst. Although, if you go and buy the shitty belts, Manuel Char holds one of the WBA ones, so he probably were the worst. Down at Cruiserweight, oh. Arsene Goulamarian um, is holding a WBA one as well, alongside Babert Shumanov, who continues to to cling on. So a couple of dodgy ones there. While the boys are thinking, light heavyweight. Uh, Gilberto Ramirez, I'd say he, he's probably one of the weaker ones, isn't he? Rob Brandt. Rob, Rob Brandt. down at middleweight, yeah. One Rob of the worst Brandt. world champions. Um. Across any weight. What about Mangia? I mean, his his reign of terror at 154 would have been great, even though they have rung a fair, you know, fair number of defences out of the line, yeah, actually. It that's been, true. It would been great. You wouldn't um, have seen Tony Harrison as a world champion either, would you? No, you wouldn't have seen that, mate. You wouldn't have seen well, that. Well, to wait, strong, yeah. 
Morris Hooker. Morris Hooker. Oh, Ramirez. Jose Carlos Ramirez is shit, I think. I don't wait him at all. Yeah, well, I was high on him after that fight. Was it against it? Was it Alim? Alim, yeah. Yeah, it was a decent enough fight, but uh, it's kind of died off. Um, lightweight, is Kwame still a champion at lightweight? He ah, is. Yeah, he's got a broken hand, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Cancio, Andrew Cancio at Super Featherweight. Good show. In the chat, Andy, Marco Barrera says Rocky Fielding, but he's not a champion anymore, is he? No. Charlie Edwards, MB, said... Um, so it's current oh. champions, guys. Current champions at the moment. Worst world champions. Kanzu. Yeah. Cancio, yeah. Fair play to him. He's done really well for himself, but he, he is weak. No, no. Kanzu, the Chinese champion. Oh, Kanzu. Kanzu kick it. Yeah, he's WBA champion. <laughs> it's always the WBA, isn't it? They have like this, this bullshit belt on Serial kicker, Kanzu kick it. Um, uh, Chris Eubank, for the, if you're crowd the IBO. <laughs> Ray Vargas. He's oh, a, yeah. I just cannot take to him at all. I cannot take to him at all. What, um, what, what's he doing? Is he super, oh, he's super bantam in here. What about... This is probably going to be like one that's probably going to cause a wee bit of hassle, a bit tetty. Um, what's his wins? I suppose I just pulled up his record there. So he had that that big. Remember that knockout he had that was like getting everybody all hyped about it. Was like against Butler. Takes, no, oh, gone, gone, yeah, gone, yeah. yeah. That's right, yeah. And then he shits the bed against Narvaez, and then it's another kind of yeah, but uh, yeah, but like, yeah. Rob Brand is there. Like, does that seem like <laughs> fucking Rob Brand is the worst one champion? Like. Kawiafai, he doesn't fight anybody. That's true. Yeah, mighty Mo Hooker in the chat. They're saying Port Sean Porter. Rob is getting a bit of love in the chat for worst world champion as well. Yeah, yeah. Can't argue with that one. But no, don't be, don't be saying anything about mighty Mo, like a young Marlon Styling, who Eddie Futch once compared to Ray Robinson and and Jose Napoles. There's a bit of tri- trivia for you. My God, going into the realms of Bernard Superfly Mays now, Rob. Well, as someone said in the chat there, by the way, just look at the WBA rankings and you can pick out any titleist there. So you've got the gold champion, you've got the interim champion, the fucking champion recess. Plenty yeah, do, Tosh, Tosh Bear, Andy makes a good point. Andre, Demetrius Andre, who yeah, the freaking elite ever beat? Yeah, can I say something, by the way? See that WBC title they put on the line there, that fucking Azteca belt? Yeah. Actually, you can actually renamed it after... Who was it now? Was it some fucking Mexican fucking Prime Minister or President or something like that? Oh, the Mayan belt. Aye. They actually named no. it after some fucking politician. Right. Wasn't the guy with the big tits who boxed in Mexico? Do you remember him? The light heavyweight who was like a politician oh, and no, he had the implants. Him. I know you're talking about <laughs> I, No, it was to him. It was like Mickey Rourke, that cunt. He gives us, he gives us hope, that guy. I, I could get back in the ring if that's the standard. Aye, Tommy's fucking in training right now. Oh, yeah, he's not in training to come on here. Anyway, yeah, sorry. This is like the chat we have whenever the pod's finished. Sorry, everybody. You're still with us there. Um, let, let's let's finish up then, shall we? Anything else to add, gentlemen, before we go? Yeah, I suppose, you know, I have seen some comments about last night about, you know, a rematch and that. I don't think we need a rematch, to be, no. to be honest. I thought Canelo was, was a worthy winner. Um, the, the scorecards, you know, the draw off. Did Carol Fox get mentioned in the Bell of the Week, by the way? For oh, no, he didn't. Didn't he have it 115-115 in the end? Oh, man. I've seen some kind of a scorecard 117-116. 116, yeah. The Murphy's 90 or something. They deleted that, yeah. Aye. So, aye. So, again, I don't want to see... Oh, it's... <laughs> What's that? Nine rounds to eight? <laughs> that's, like, that's like that Ramirez Whitaker scorecard back in the 90s, man. <laughs> WBU title on the line. Oh Jesus! <laughs> but no, um, no, no rematch required off that last night. And um, I agree with what Tommy was saying by the way as well. Is I think once you know, twenty-eight year old, 
But it's all said and done, he's going to retire tomorrow and he's still going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Rob, yep. final comments from you? No, I had to argue with that. Like, Canelo's shown his class. Uh, Danny Jacobs was um, a worthy contender and probably the only guy that could give him a fight apart from Billy Joe um, in and around those divisions. So, yeah, viva Canelo. Viva Canelo indeed. Good words from Rapping Rob Kelly there to finish up episode 321 of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. Andy was with us as well all the way through. Thanks to Ozzy for jumping on. Mid-cricket club bash and also talking and bashing, Gabe was bashing heads tonight and chucking <laughs> bodies into the back of boots, driving around the mean streets of Texas. Thanks to him for coming on as well. And also John Ryder, right at the top of the show, through WhatsApp from Las Vegas, he gave us his time. Well done, John. Absolute legend. Uh, yeah, next week, I'm away. I can't make it on uh, Sunday, May the 12th. So goodness knows what. You might end up with something. You might not. Who knows? I think we're going to have a host of some description. Maybe Emily Rogerson will come on and host the pod. You never know. I've been Steve Wellings for this week anyway. See you again on May the 19th. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Bye.